0: This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jarrett Duncan. RJ Bellog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection, one spine number at a time in order to release this week we're punching broads, beating communists, and all in the name of freedom as we watch Spine two hundred and twenty four in the Criterion Collection, Samuel Fuller's pickup on South Street from nineteen fifty three. But first, RJ mm. Mm. Once again we find ourselves with a third person. What? I know. What are you talking about? This has been a long-threatened one via email for, uh, yeah, for a number of years, it seems. But finally, uh, we hit 224, uh, and we are proud and happy to have Sam Sanchez joining us tonight. Hi, Sam.
1: Hello. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me here. It's a lifelong dream to be here with you guys. So mm-hmm. It's finally being fulfilled. Like you said, uh, long-threatened. It's been probably, I think, like two years since yeah, I, I so. first kind of like slid it in there, and now it's come to fruition here.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of anticipation.
2: <laughs> is, it, uh, is it everything you dreamed? Or, uh... it's, it's beyond <laughs> that. I don't know if you ever checked out the unboxing video where we were unmasked and people yeah. saw our real appearances. Did you watch that? I I did. I did. And did you think that we were incels also? Now seeing us (laughs) in the flesh interacting, do you still think that? It just confirms it. There you go. Good. It's it's hard to maintain that persona for so long, but uh, as you know, it's a globally recognized podcast and uh, we're thrilled to have one of the founding fathers on uh, this (laughs) new episode.
1: It is an honor to be on this. The only Criterion podcast there is out there. The only one.
2: Yeah. Confirmed.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, do you ever think like 10 years ago when you were like, because you were at that time collecting all the Criterion DVDs, right?
1: Yeah. Honestly, I I was trying to look back to see because at one point, I think at like around Spine 600 or 700, I did have every single Spine.
0: Yeah.
3: Which is
1: pretty ridiculous. So, did did
0: you have to uh, like go through and like buy like the really expensive ones after the fact, like in aftermarket prices?
1: I, well, the benefit of that for me is I worked uh, – before I started working, My I work now, I worked at um, – it's now an FYE, which I don't know if you guys have those over there. I've
0: heard of them. I've heard of them.
1: It's kind of, I guess, similar to – I don't know if there's like That's Entertainment or stuff that you guys have over there or
0: uh, – we, we we have Best Buy and Walmart. Oh, okay. Th- there is it, nothing. There's oh, really? no chains
1: it, like that at all. It's a, Yeah, it's like a small chain that basically sells re- – well, they sell new CDs, DVDs, now Blu-rays, but they yep. also buy back stuff. So you can find a lot of used stuff. Mm -hmm. so i worked uh at the time it was a warehouse music and they sold um so yeah somebody would come in sell us dvds or anything so we would get a lot i would come across like some of those out of print criterions yeah and you know honestly it was me cheating somebody out so that kind of sucks for them but somebody came in with a robocop criterion i would buy it back as the regular was mgm or whatever dvd we'd give them two bucks for it we'd sell it for like five bucks and I get a discount off of that, so I'd come across some of those. I think I came across like *Unbearable Lightness of Being*, right? Ooh, um, yeah. Which was one of the out of print ones um, when I first Sal- started. Using *Salo*,
0: the, good. the John Woo movies. I did not
1: come across *Salo*. But I, th- I think I b- I bought one of those on eBay. It might have been like one of those bootleg ones. Oh yeah, looked, yeah, yeah. It looked pretty legit, but who knows? Right. Um, but I did get, like hard-boiled. A lot, a lot of those I did come across just buying them used. Yeah. And and um, I don't know if you remember. Uh, was uh they, i know they had a website dvd planet i don't know if you uh, ever used to buy from uh, there
0: I, I never did no i know I, I do vaguely remember dvd planet i'm more like i know about deep discounts yeah. and stuff like that and so those are CDs. two that
1: i would pretty much <laughs> frequent yep. but dvd planet they actually had a brick and mortar physical store local um and it, it was weird because it was actually called dvd planet.com which is what it said on the actual physical store
0: oh wow <laughs>
1: instead of just being called dvd planet um but they would actually have criterion prices regularly priced, I think for like the twenty-nine dollar tier um was I believe like eighteen dollars or so and the forty dollar tier was twenty five dollars and then they would have kind of like the Barnes Noble sale there where it was buy one get one free. Mm. So you would occasionally get you know like basically eight dollars like nine dollars, twelve dollars a pop for each one. So I would just save my money and buy a ton of those. Yeah. For like a lot better than what the current like Barnes and Noble sales are. Right, right, right. So I I miss those.
2: But. Well, even those other current Barnes and Noble ones, we get the shaft on that because we don't even have Barnes and Noble up here or Criterion. So if we get it like imported through custom, we get hit on exchange, which is like I think a dollar thirty of our money buys a yeah. dollar of your money, and then so already it's bad, and then we have to pay customs. But whatever. Do you are you do you still have like ones to six hundred or did you no, kind of like I think, downsize?
1: Uh, I've downsized a lot of the DVD ones. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I still have tons of the Blu ray ones, and I've actually upgraded a lot of the the DVD ones to the Blu ray. Mm-hmm. But I did at one point decide to, like, all right, I just, these are all in a box. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. uh,
1: I've decided to like kind of clear through the ones that either I know I'm never going to watch again, or like, oh, okay, eventually I'll pick this up on Blu ray whenever I want. So I'll just get rid of the DVD. And if it ever comes across where I desperately want to see it again, mm-hmm. I'll just pick it up on Blu ray. For sure. Yeah. What sent you down this dark path
0: like of being a, a DVD Blu-ray collector? I'm just asking for a friend. Yeah,
3: <laughs>
1: Honestly, it's um, – well, the, even getting into film in general, like I, yeah. it's not something that – because I know like I think I've heard both of you or mainly just I think Jarrett just saying that you kind of – at a fairly young age, we're into movies, right? Or yeah. is it? Oh yeah. No, it, yeah. It, it
0: really, it really like, I mean, I think everyone like you just, you just watch movies for a period of your time. Yeah. Like it's kind of like a babysitter. Your parents like put in front of you and then you're kind of like, Oh cool. I'll watch whatever's on, whatever's available. Then you start watching, you start getting into more movies, especially if you get into horror movies. I find yeah. that that like really opens up, um, the avenues because you're always in video stores then looking for stuff because it's not on yeah. TV really so you're in video stores and you see all this stuff and you wonder what's this about and then as you get older I guess something just changes and then you realize like I it, up here the problem is like it getting actual access to stuff and so the easiest way was to buy it it was like yeah. way too tough you can't rent it um, Netflix when it was a subscription service uh, when you got DVDs I mean I just never got into that for me I was like well if I'm just gonna I'll buy if I have if I am interested enough in a movie I'll just buy it blind and i did that for a very very long time yeah. and now i've got you know thousands of fucking pieces of plastic <laughs> behind my head um that mm-hmm. will haunt me forever until mm-hmm. i just make them disappear but uh yeah it's a, it's a curious thing so i was curious like did you like have any inclination toward like being a filmmaker or anything like that no, not, not at all i
1: don't i don't don't find myself creative at all <laughs> like, so it's, not <laughs> so it's not something like i would i feel like i would be good at okay um but I didn't even get into film because like my parents, they're both uh, Spanish speaking basically only speak, you know, they're, um, I'm Mexican. Uh, so they're both uh, Spanish speakers only. So it's not like something that they really get, they weren't into film at all. Right. So it's not something I picked up from mm-hmm. them. It was just, I think when I was in maybe like 17 or 18, close to either out of high school, I just became pretty heavily yeah, into horror movies. So I, I think something crossed my mind where like I think for a split second I just thought it would be cool to collect VHS. I don't know why. Yeah, just buy like a but but buy like a bunch of like old horror movies on VHS. I yeah. never actually bought any, but it was just I had that idea because I was I was renting VHSs from like Hollywood video, blockbuster video, a bunch of random horror movies. Mm-hmm. And then that's why I probably was like, Oh, it'd be cool to have a bunch of these. And then I decided to like, oh, okay, it's a lot easier to acquire DVDs. Yeah. So I, I just started mm-hmm. buying a bunch of uh just horror DVDs, like the regular classics that you would hear, you know, Friday the 13th and Halloween, just those kind of started branching out more beyond that. And then that's kind of how I actually pretty early found the Criterion Collection, just by, I think, uh, I'm trying to remember what would be the first ones I come across. I know, like, for some reason, I came across The Blob, which was on uh, Carnival of Souls. Um, What else would I have come across pretty early on? But, yeah, The Blob, Carnival of Souls, uh, The Vanishing, I believe I came across. Mm -hmm. Dead so just Ringers, like either, I guess for Cronenberg, yeah. tangents. Oh yeah, that. yeah, Videodrome. So pretty much just coming across like horror or horror adjacent type stuff, and then eventually just kind of saw like, hey, these were all within a collection, and then just kind of started branching out, and then into RJ's favorite, uh, The Grand Illusion, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Just kind of mm-hmm. went from there. I think when I first got in the Criterion's collection, it was probably around spine two hundred ish. So it yeah. wasn't like that that early on, but it was fairly early on. So I just kind of went through everything that was there and then started just buying everything as it kind of came out or I wasn't like really on top of it. Like I would go a few B releases could come out here and there and then I would just buy the ones that kinda of interested me and then come sales just buy all of them. Right. But uh, it was mainly the horror became the gateway to just everything in general.
2: Right. <laughs> so it's kind of like where we are right now in spines is when you got into it. Because what are we at now? Yeah. Like two thirty or something like that? Two twenty four.
1: It might be a little bit after this, actually, now that I think about it. Because I think, yeah, Pick Up at South Street was already released.
2: Mm -hmm. That
1: was actually one of the earlier ones I did see. So that one had already been released. So it might have been, I know it's before 300, so probably somewhere within the next, like, 50 releases or so.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I mean, who hasn't gotten into VHS is really really (laughs) hard, you know? Like, some of my favorite, like, uh, online internet accounts like uh, Twitter and Instagram, like that dinosaur Dracula guy, which is finding like old VHSs and things like that and throwing them up there. Uh, I was going to ask, uh, you kind of mentioned what was your first criterion? Do you think it was the blob or do you think it was something else um, that you knew that it was like, cause like we've mentioned like the first criterion we've actually bought. If you know, even you might not know. Yeah, I, I might not. I, um,
1: honestly, it just might've been something that I wasn't even sure was a criterion release. Mm-hmm. Like I probably just bought it not knowing. Um, I do know the blob would have been pretty early on. Um the vanishing would have been really early. Pretty much those horror movies would have been early right. on. I know Carnival of Souls was one probably would've been one of the first 10 as well.
2: So it probably would have had to been one of those cool. one of those three. Yeah. Not like Henry V and Richard III and <laughs> Hamlet and Hamlet uh. and uh you know any of those guys.
1: No, actually I still haven't seen any of those. So, well, Richard the Third's <laughs> not bad.
2: We uh we, we well that's it's, the one we watched, right? Yeah, that's the most recent
1: one. That was yeah. like it's fine. It's that good. one's okay. It, yeah, it's okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah speaking of blind
1: okay. buying, I had tons of those criteria that even to this day I still haven't seen. So
2: Oh man. Well, it's a good time now. If you uh I mean if you're not cuz i know you were working from home and you're out back out in the danger yeah. zones so i mean nothing like going out and facing impending doom like coming back and watching some uh, Henry the 5th i could
1: probably squeeze it in there i've been watching like what 100 movies in a couple of weeks so something like that <laughs> easy
0: easy yeah. nice so what does your uh, family think of the uh, the
1: collection um they're not they're, they don't love it <laughs> Um, and honestly, right now as it is, it is pretty like scattered and like no organization at all whatsoever. Nice. So,
0: yeah.
1: um, but they they're they're used to it.
0: Where, where do you keep your uh, vinegar syndrome adult fare? Do you have to keep it like away, like somewhere, dad stash?
1: Luckily, I actually don't really have any of the uh, the adult ones. Uh, I think I might have like one or two of them. Right. Um, I think mainly because like oh, there's I think it was just when I saw the sale that they're running low on the ones with the slip covers. It's yes. Like okay, let me just tack it on here. But other <laughs> than those, I, I usually stay away from those.
2: Um, that whole but, wall of DVDs behind Jarrett, Sam, that's all porn. All porn. It's all porn. Everyone, yeah. most of them homemade, but a lot of them are the vinegar syndrome ones. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Nine, nine lives of a wet pussy. You have that back there? N-
2: not yet.
0: No, I, I've been holding off <laughs> actually. I've been doing pretty good the last like eight months or so. I haven't gotten any of the vinegar syndrome uh-huh. stuff, but I'm, I keep waiting. It'll be one of those, Like I think it's like the halfway to, uh, black friday sale next yeah. month so i might i might uh order a couple things but the problem the problem is, is like sometimes it's just for the slip case does it justify mm. the price that i always have a problem with that because they look great some of them yeah uh, they look awesome uh but you're like yeah that just cost me like ten dollars more if i just bought the retail version like on sale hmm and it's just i don't know it's just, i have I, I struggle with that because i mean i I'll wish i watch it once. Away.
1: I yeah, feel... I wish I could stay away, because uh, I just keep buying them, and honestly, a lot of them are trash, but they're they're oh, yeah. at least in- interesting trash.
0: It's always interesting trash. Yeah. Have you watched Decoder yet?
1: I have. Actually, that oh, one... Yeah. Honestly, I don't know why I can't really remember that much about it, but I remember liking it.
0: It's got the frog on the cover of the, yeah. this, like, the odd German movie. Yeah, I uh, that's like one that I still haven't bought, but I remember like whenever I watch it, because I sometimes watch these things uh, through other means, and then when Vinegar Syndrome actually puts it out, I'm like, oh, cool, I should buy that. And then I, I can there's no rush because I've already seen it. So And it's like, what's the chances of me re-watching a movie these days? I don't know.
2: Decoder I... by Musha? Yeah, that one. <laughs> ah, who's Musha? I have no idea. Me, me neither. Okay, I'll look into this while you guys oh, talk about stuff.
0: Well, I, I mean, that's a pretty good preamble. Any, are we doing anything exciting in these, uh, what is this, week six of COVID era? Uh,
1: not myself. I've been, uh, kind of like I mentioned to you, I think before, is I'm a big baseball guy. Oh, um, so I'm missing baseball here. And um, honestly, uh, I know neither of you, you're not really into sports too much, either one of you, right?
2: Me, <laughs> uh, Jared. Jared doesn't know anything. I I know enough about each of the sports. I, you can, I've uh, seen
0: Ken Burns baseball. I'm <laughs> and an, an ESPN thirty for thirties. So that's about as deep as I go.
1: Yeah, because in my experience of
2: listening to as a
1: professional podcast listener, like mm-hmm. everyone who makes podcasts seems to uh, instead uh, unless it's like directly a sports podcast, yeah, like almost everyone seems to like just not be into sports at all. And honestly, that's kind of what I would be in if it wasn't for baseball. And the way I am into baseball. Is kind of in the way that Jarrett is probably into like Dungeons and Dragons. It's basically by stats, numbers. Like, I don't watch that many of the games. Like, you know, I don't sit there and watch every single game, but I do mm-hmm. follow stats, highlights. I do fantasy baseball. It's a very nerdy way that I'm into baseball. Okay. So if, if, it, if it wasn't for baseball, I probably would be somebody because I'm not really into basketball or football. I kind of like RJ. I know enough about them, but mm-hmm. it's not something I like watch religiously or anything like that or pay attention to what you
0: know is but, kind of through osmosis
1: yeah and but for baseball honestly i probably could like know enough to record like a baseball podcast i do follow pretty religiously as far as like yeah. numbers go
2: players everything i won my fantasy league last year so Ooh. Got, Ooh, how uh, many people bit in that uh 12 dang was there any like uh harsh punishments for the person who got last
1: no we had one before the, the year before because i have yeah. a uh member who is a cop and they were going to do a either pepper spray slash tase the the, the, the 12th place. But I don't think that ever came about. So
2: That's I, good. uh, I'd be so scared of that. Like, uh, one time, uh, I was on a stake and we were bowling and we played a couple of games and I was pretty good. There was like 12 guys. And I think the first two games I was like right in the middle, like fourth or fifth or sixth out of everyone. And then the last game, there was going to be a harsh punishment for the last two guys who got, or for the two guys who got last. And I, I totally got the yips and I forgot how to bowl. And I got like a score of like 10 or something <laughs> like that. And, uh, when the pressure was on, I totally cracked and I couldn't, I couldn't compete anymore. And, uh, You know, it is what it is. So I I actually I don't really like those harsh punishment things like that you would see in the league. But uh, because I'd be so afraid of it, I would surely lose and I would have to do it. What was the
1: harsh punishment there? Did you not get we
2: uh, we we got a little nude and we slid down the (laughs) bowling alley. Uh, We were asked to leave, uh, (laughs) as you can imagine. Um, The police did not get us. (laughs) <laughs> but uh i would like to say that at the time that was a character i was playing for a podcast gotcha. right yeah and would it was that... to, would you care to clarify a little nude um <clears throat> i would i think leaving it to your imagination is better
0: okay
3: i think
2: yeah. i i'd like you to fill in those holes
0: i, I would love oh man. <laughs>
2: um but i uh i i get i get what you mean like uh, i have a couple that i watch like i watch football and i do dabble in basketball uh like the college basketball um and i know enough about hockey and i do like ba- i like watching baseball like i go whenever i'm used to travel we can't, we can't do that anymore but i'd always go see games like uh my dad would always take us to seattle to see mariner's games and that's like some of the best memories i have so are you an angels guy or uh,
1: an angels guy so I have Mike Trout on my little avatar there. It was a, in mm-hmm. celebration of him signing the extension with the Angels. I just like, yeah, let me put him in my avatar there, and I just haven't
2: changed it. I like it. I dig it. Why not? So where where do you sit on Angels in the outfield? Do you think it was cheating, or do you think it was fair? <laughs> it's fair. It's not. It's... There, there's nothing in the rule book that says Angels can't help. <laughs> <clears throat> nothing that says a dog can't play baseball, exactly. right? Exactly. So I was actually going to watch some baseball movies in preparation for you, like Major League 1 and 2, and they were on Amazon Prime until four days ago, and then they were taken off for some reason.
1: And <laughs> I don't know why.
2: I don't know why. Uh, and I was going to watch like Little Big League and... Uh, Sandlot. Yeah, Sandlot. And then what's the other one? The Rookie? Is that where the kid falls and like, then he gets that firearm? Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year, yeah. That one's the that one is stole.
1: the. Yeah, the rookie I think is the one with uh, what's that? What's his name, guy? Um, ah,
2: isn't that the Clint Randy Quaid? movie? There we go, Quaid. Um, Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Yeah, yeah, not that one. No, rookie of the year. Good, okay. good, like eighties, nineties kids movies. Yeah. What about you, Jared? What's your favorite sports movie? Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, uh, what's the? You have to movie, Google sports. Yeah. Beyond what, what? What are
0: sports? Documentaries don't count. The wrestler. I mean, that's sports entertainment, I okay. guess. Sure.
2: That's fine. That's fine. Oh, so anyways, you got derailed. Classic, classic. Classic. criterion creeps. So you were uh you were mentioning, Sam, you would be watching baseball, but yes. uh it's gone. Did you ever see that video in the uh, where Baltimore there was like a riot and then they uh they didn't let any fans into the stadium and it was just the two teams playing and it was like oh, dead yeah. quiet? That's yeah.
1: essentially what they're probably planning to do if they even continue the season um i guess they're potentially planning to either play in arizona where they do spring training without fans Mm -hmm. so it probably wouldn't be as bad for like baseball football basketball anything like that than it would be for like how wwe wwe and aew are Mm -hmm. handling it which Mm -hmm. is just very awkward to watch wrestling without any oh we
0: got a question about it we got a question about that very thing um Let's just get. Let's just hop into it. Let's, okay. Let's, okay. let's Let's listen from Creepsville. Let's find out. Oliver Granger with an email entitled "Wrestling with Star Trek." <laughs> so, so, firstly, stoked. RJ is going through Star Trek. I am currently nice. currently doing that as well. I am on the last season of Next Generation. The difference Ooh, between RJ and I though, as it's as it's taken about five years to get here for him. Uh, for Oliver. Uh, Usually I only watch one episode a week and have had lengthy breaks, but I have ramped it up since working from home. RJ asked if he would watch series like Voyager and enterprise. I thought the same person who is watching all the criterion collection once by (laughs) number a time, including the laserdiscs, would never ask such a question. Go Mm -hmm. hard or go home. Uh, Yeah. RJ, how's that? How is that going?
2: Uh, I just finished the original series. Ooh. And I am three episodes into the animated series. Uh, and you know what? I, uh, I, I I accept the challenge by a friend of the show, Oliver Granger. I will watch everything. Fuck it. Wow. Wow. We'll do it live. Fuck it. <laughs> Whatever. I've been looking into it, and it's like, I know it's a long thing. And it's like I said, I'm sure a lot of people don't like that I'm doing this, as I get recommendations a lot, and I just throw them out, and I watch <laughs> Dragon Ball Z or uh, Star Trek instead. <laughs> No. But I don't give a shit, because I'm gonna do it anyways. But I'm glad that he's on like on that similar path. That if he's on last season of TNG, I should be there by tomorrow. If I start tonight. Yeah. I can watch cool. seven seasons in a night, right? I think so. Yeah. I'll get Sam, there eventually. But Sam,
0: how okay. do you feel about Star Trek?
2: Honestly, I've never watched the show.
1: Okay. I have um watched the six six, right? The six original yeah. series yeah. movies. I watched the four uh, next generation movies or is it yeah. four or how many okay four, uh, beyond yeah. that I've not watched actually not watched the newer remake movies but mm-hmm. as far as television series goes never. I have not seen any of them
2: hmm. I think that well that was like me too I had never watched any of it until two three weeks ago when uh, I started watching them and it was I had interest in it I'd seen some of the movies and like the newer ones and I was always like I think I'd like it I just it was always so daunting I was like what is that like 8000 fucking TV episodes like that would take years like how Oliver Granger it's taking him years but uh he didn't have the luxury of uh being quarantined at his house and uh his business being shut down for the entire year and you know <laughs> living the dream baby
1: <laughs> yeah I, I feel like I would like them too like I do like the the like the you see the original movie with uh that one didn't, not a big fan of the first one, uh, with the Robert Weiss-directed one.
0: Oh, oh, yeah, that one's... Uh, this is very I, slow. <laughs> yeah. It, it looks amazing, but nothing happens.
1: Yeah, it just basically feels like it's too inspired by like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Totally. Just very mm-hmm. drags on. But 2, 4, and 6 are great. Yep. Um, search for Spot, or which one's part 5? Five?
0: 5 is uh, Final Frontier, directed by go, Bill Final Shatner. Third.
1: That one is bad. Ooh. I'm oh, looking I don't, forward I, to that I I,
0: I, uh, I disagree. Uh, I, I think it's a very entertaining bad movie at the okay. same time. Yeah. it's uh, I always have a soft spot for it because I get a weird amount of entertainment watching it because if you watch it as, like, Bill Shatner trying to be like, fuck Nimoy, like, I'm going to do it better, and then he doesn't. Mm-hmm. But he still makes, like, a movie that I find so much more entertaining than, like, most movies that come out in theater, which you we've talked about uh, in your emails before, mm-hmm. how we hate modern cinema. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch uh, Trek Five any day of the week.
1: Is that the one that explores it's... the philosophy of row your boat?
0: Yes, and <laughs> uh, and has uh, the the greatest line of "What does God need of the starship?" <laughs> yeah. uh, which it's like, indeed, indeed. <laughs> Um, Mm. Well, I good. I'm glad. Uh, Well, yeah, I think uh, Sam, you should, if you're ever going to take that plunge into Trek, definitely start with the original series. I think you would enjoy it. It's uh, yeah. Uh, Oliver continues. Also, have you guys watched any of the no audience wrestling? It's odd. Uh, Mm. I have not seen like actual live wrestling in like outside of AEW, like WWE for like a year or something like that or longer. I've seen the GIFs, though, and I've seen the, the compilations of they took whatever was, uh, I think it was like one of the first SmackDown tapings uh, where they had no audience and it was just John Cena and Bray Wyatt in the ring. And someone put mm. uh, the Twin Peaks music over it. And it, it made it made sense in, in that context. And I've seen these other things where, where you can put Twin Peaks music over uh, Vince McMahon talking and it made also works but yeah i it's pointless it's so it's so strange it endangers the wrestlers Mm. it's it's like unbelievable that it's happening but uh i don't know sam i don't know Are, are your kids still into the into the wrestling product
1: yeah, my my eight year old's still really into it. He's the one that's a, kind of become obsessed. So I won't want he'll watch it like I know he- I have it like recording, and then he'll watch it like the day after or so because yep. um, yeah, it'll start at eight o'clock. So usually it's already past his bedtime by the time it'll be over. So he just watches it, and so I'll kind of just watch highlights like on Reddit or something, <laughs> just w- whatever mm. they post. That way I can like, oh, did you see this happen? Just so I can have something to talk to him about. Yeah, um, and it is very awkward. Um, <laughs> Like some of them kind of mm. do play it well, um like some of the wrestlers cuz they'll play to the, they'll play to the no crowd. <laughs> like yeah. just kind of pretend there is a crowd there. Well, it's like the Steve
0: Austin thing when he was like doing like the hell yeah thing oh, and like and yeah. they, and they would cut to uh, like seats. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like, yeah. And then AEW seems to be doing it a little better. It seems like they have uh, like they have like the heels and the um the heels and the faces each on each side. And right. then each one of them will kind of like just be chanting stuff here and there at uh, Adam, at, at so they're they're basically becoming the audience, which probably right. endangers even more wrestlers <laughs> by having more people need yeah. to sleep around. But <laughs> but at least it's more entertaining for us.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. I do like the there's like the in story uh, where it's Jericho has banned live oh, audiences yes. from the uh, uh, stadiums, which is that's a great solution actually. Yeah. RJ, have you seen these clips?
2: I saw some of the WrestleMania ones. I think it, it looks awesome.
0: Like uh,
2: <laughs> I don't know. I uh, I think it looks super fun and goofy, and it's like I, I mean, as you guys pointed out, it's probably dangerous for those guys, but uh, fuck them. <laughs> Speaking of WrestleMania, <laughs> all right, Vince. <laughs> yeah. Speaking
1: of WrestleMania, did you see like the those the cinematic matches, the cinematches or whatever they're calling them? The I,
0: AJ, AJ I, I, Styles yeah. and
1: Undertaker and uh, the
0: Boneyard match. Yeah, I saw stills of like yeah. I saw like mm-hmm. AJ's hand with his stupid glove sticking out of like a grave, uh, and I saw most people like seemed to like that okay. And then I saw a, ver- a mixed reaction to the uh, the Firefly Funhouse match, which was like very meta and uh, with the, the John Cena entrances over and over and over again. Uh, I yeah. saw just bits and pieces I didn't actually see the entirety of that match but I mean I, li- I like the idea of it um, I find that the guy who plays Bray Wyatt um, he's, got, he's got a lot of ideas and like obvious like Tim and Eric influences and like sort of this like Adult Swim sort of sensibility that he wants to bring to wrestling but I don't know what the long term of that is <laughs> but whatever as R.J. says fuck him
1: fuck him yeah, I basically watched it the same way. Um, I don't think I actually sat down and watched the whole thing. My 8-year-old yep. loved them. I was kind of surprised. Sweet. I would think he probably would feel weird watching something. He did say it was weird, mm-hmm. but he he liked it. And I guess they figured out a way now if they can do that with Undertaker, probably to extend his career for like another 10 years, if he doesn't mm-hmm. actually have to wrestle.
2: <sighs> that's right. Yeah. I actually, I did see, uh, kind of like you, I saw all those highlights on Reddit of the Undertaker's thing, and I thought it looked wicked. I was like, that's awesome. Especially, like you said, kind of prolong his career because like uh, don't let him retire he's probably old and tired out and stuff but like I said and Vince would say too he's like whatever come back and make some money (laughs) fuck him fuck him it's sports baby sports Jarrett
0: speaking of sports Oliver continues and concludes New Zealand got its first professional baseball stadium last year it's just an existing rugby stadium that converts during the summer but still awesome it's actually walking distance from my house so Rupa and I got hooked let's go to a I'm going to assume that's how that's pronounced, was looking forward to watching the American baseball this year. But obviously that's on hold. So I have resorted to watching the Taiwan League. No audience, but live stream for free. Only
2: baseball on right now. Creep it real. Uh, I think that's super cool that they got baseball. I think I might come down and uh, check out his uh, baseball team, the Tuataras. Or, <laughs> I'm going to find out how it's pronounced here but uh maybe we can go watch some rugby too those are the sports i played Jarrett. rugby and football and stuff you know baseball you ever (laughs) seen baseball Jarrett? sports he said have you ever heard of pink whitney's i have not no so this is a sports reference Jarrett. so this is like a super canadian thing but when i was with a friend of the show ryan nagel he introduced it to me and um so there's this like NHL guy named Ryan Whitney, and I think he's retired now, but he's got a podcast on Barstool Sports, and uh, they're sponsored by New Amsterdam Vodka, and he was talking about how he would always mix his vodka with pink lemonade, so they made a little batch, and they called it Pink Whitney's, so it's pink lemonade vodka, hmm. and uh, it, uh, it got super popular, and it was so popular in Canada that it was basically like sold out. Every like every liquor store in Canada. So people were driving down to the States and just buying like cases of it and driving back up with it. So uh, I don't I know you're a baseball guy, but I was like, I don't know, maybe these guys are drinking pink lemonade vodkas over there. I'll have, uh, have to give that a shot. I never had that. Try it out, man, because you it's like it's nice and refreshing. You can just drink it on ice, Jarrett.
1: Outstanding. Ah, <laughs> delicious.
2: Sports.
0: <laughs> Sports. Uh next up. Thank you, Oliver. Next mm-hmm. is Frank Solano. Email, Frank Santoro. RJ's main men, the Pizza Hut bit, and creeping it real. Oi, oh. hey there, oh. creeps and comrades. Hope everyone is doing well and staying safe. And welcome, Sam, to that exclusive group of featured guests who have matched those ethereal voices to their moving lips. <laughs> Hope you enjoy your time on the pod and that you'll be enticed to come back soon, if not for the live banter, then for the excitement of watching a potentially bland film, all eyes on Knife in the Water, and then figuring (laughs) out a way to make it not seem so bad since you already paid top dollar to be on the show. True. Oh, Frank. Poor Frank. As everyone knows by now, I personally have no gripes with that, as I love hanging out with the boys. Justin Peterson seems to know what's up, and now I'm patiently keeping my fingers crossed in the hopes that we get to see the return of Oliver and that some new voices show up on the cast. I'm calling Axiom Jackson Maximus out specifically because I have unprecedented expectations for the voice of the guy with that nickname. Haha, <laughs> sorry, Jackson. Anyways... <laughs> I've managed to uh, burrow my way through uh, three more early episodes of the show, and it's amazing to see the creeps slowly finding their pace as they begin scaling their ever-growing mountain of Criterion releases. And the best part about looking for excerpts is that I get to take things out of context. Amazing. No one will ever know why RJ ever spoke of posterior intimacy unless they dig deep like me. Fascinating. I don't (laughs) know. (laughs) Without further ado, here are the noteworthy moments, sayings and mistakes of episodes four through six. Episode four, RJ officially announced his list of favorite dudes, dubbed his main men, Mel Mm. Bronson, John Goodman, and Brad Dourif.
2: Nice. It's a Mount Rushmore if I've heard one. Yeah. Oh, I mean, a Mount Flexmore more like, (laughs) right, Jarrett?
0: Jared said, "Yeah, he's got that vagina face."
1: (laughs) That sounds more like an RJ quote.
0: That does, yeah. I I don't know, RJ. Are you able to say vagina? No. Yeah, but uh, I can talk
2: about posterior intimacies.
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. And finally, the "Who hates this movie" segment becomes a regular bit. Mm. That sounds about right. Episode five. Jared officially addresses the original Creeps theme song, I guess, by acknowledging it. <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah. or give, give its history. R.J. begins his claims of sole responsibility over the editing and recording of the show. Also, he begins <laughs> the much loved R.J. lives behind Pizza Hut bit.
2: Yeah, I've uh, I've neglected that for a while. Hey? Yeah,
0: yeah, I guess so. I can uh, bring it back. You could, you could. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode is also noteworthy because it has the first mention of the Silver Fox fellow, as well as the first mention of martyrs on the show. Sorry, Oliver. <laughs> and finally, yeah. Jarrett coined the phrase "Creep It Real." Look at nice. that. Nice,
2: nice martyrs, hey
1: martyrs. <laughs>
2: Are you? <laughs> do
0: you like? Do you like martyrs, Sam?
2: It's been a while since I've seen
1: it, but I remember. It. Well, I was going to say enjoying it. I don't remember enjoying it, but I remember thinking it wasn't too bad.
0: It's a great great piece of movie making. (laughs) Perfect. Oliver will be thrilled. (laughs) Episode 6, RJ continues his Pizza Hut bit, admitting he gets his cardio by running away from the manager. And Mm -hmm. and Jared officially endorses watching 70s porn for the very first time on the show. It's all coming back.
2: It's It's like we started and then we only had one gimmick, Jared. Yep. You talking about porn and me not talking about
0: porn. Yep. yep. Not, not, not much else of note from episode six other than it is the first episode that truly feels like the fellas are relaxing into their mm-hmm. roles as the co hosts of the greatest show on planet Earth. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now a little Q&A. As we all know, a, little, a lot of literature and early film exists now in the public domain. So a question. If you guys were to adapt and direct any public domain horror story, Dracula, Frankenstein, early HP Lovecraft works, etc. Which would you choose and why, RJ? Uh,
2: yeah, I have answers for you. Public domain, hey. Uh, well, the very first one on here says "The Ghost Galleon" from 1974. <laughs> Is that public domain? That can't uh, be. Doesn't
0: 1974 doesn't? I don't fit quite right. <laughs> But it's, I Googled, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's based on some like old stodgy piece of literature from the 1800s, and it's free game.
1: Googled, ghost Galleon isn't that the one of the Blind Dead movies? The blind I, dead That's series? what I.
2: Yeah, that's uh. I do believe so. Well, <laughs> can you you guys tell me, all right? Because this is what I put in the search bar: public domain horror, and the very oh, first is the, the, the Ghost well, Galleon. Yeah,
0: the, the, the movie probably is public
2: domain. Oh yeah.
0: yeah. Who knows?
2: Well, yeah. Who knows? Hey, uh, I started reading the entire H.P. Lovecraft. It's only like this you, big.
0: You started.
2: Yeah, like, I started like
0: recently this week, kind of thing. Like two, like a week and a half ago. Okay, how's that going? It's going. Yeah.
1: <laughs> in between Star, in yeah. between Star Trek episodes. Yeah. Star Trek. It's chronological.
0: You're, yeah. You're turning into a real nerd in this uh, COVID crisis. I got nothing else
1: to do. Man.
0: Star Trek, reading H.P. Lovecraft. My goodness!
2: Uh, you can join Jarrett in some of his games in his yeah. Dungeons mm. <laughs> and Well, we discussed this last week. He doesn't want me in his groups, <laughs> I, I, as I'm sure you you understand. Uh, I'll, I'll say Frankenstein. What about you? What about you guys? Um, well, L- Lovecraft sounds good. Actually, uh,
0: Frank's got his as a. He says, for me, I've wanted to adapt that Dagon story into a short film. The idea of being marooned on an island of black mush with the monolith worshipping fishmen really stimulates my imagination. And as for contemporary works, I'd love to have Superman in the public domain to try my hand at a revival of the 1930s Max Fleischer cartoon.
2: That'd be cool. I'd be interested in both of those. Yeah, his follow-up –
0: oh, sorry. The other thing was his follow-up question was, if you could place one contemporary work into the public domain, which work and why? I don't know. Uh, I, I think for like me, like off the top of my head, it'd be like, so maybe like some of those like old, uh, things that maybe influenced Lovecraft, like Algernon Blackwood or M.R. James, something like that, I'm sure it would be worth adapting. I don't know if I'd be the man to do it. There's the one short story I really like. Arthur Machen's, um, great God pan, I think would make something interesting, but I'm surprised no one's ever done it. Sam, do you have any thoughts impromptu on this, uh, question? <laughs>
1: Not too much, really. Kind of like how I said earlier is like, I have no creativity whatsoever, so no one wants me adapting anything. Um, right. it, Lovecraft seems like a pretty good answer just because, like, outside of, like, Stuart Gordon, like, no one has even really come back close to, like, adapting, like, something by Lovecraft, like, Successfully, decently. yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: there was the uh, – there's always that threatened uh, at the Mounds of Madness uh, Guillermo del Toro movie of mm-hmm. Tom Cruise that mm-hmm. is never happening, which would have, like – I mean uh, – as much as I say to say it's like I would I would have watched it for sure. I think it'd be yeah. like kind of an like the, the, it would amazing. It's like this you know it's the Antarctic, which uh, uh, is a pretty great setting, and you have monster penguins and yog and all sorts of crazy things. Like it, it probably would have been amazing, but it probably also would have been a GDT movie, meaning horribly
3: mm-hmm.
2: flawed. <laughs> well, Shape of Water is like his Dagon movie, kind of. Yeah. It's all about fish fucking. That's Just true. Just like Dagon. D- Dagon you know, Dagan, uh, you know, you know what I think what com- contemporary movie I would love to be public domain, Jarrett, so I could remake it, Martyrs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd, I'd love to give would, that a crack. Would you draw Would you have it done drawn in a 1930s Max Fleischer style?
2: Oh, it would be entirely hand drawn.
0: Nice. That's how I
2: would remake it. And yeah. uh, not not a lot of people have seen. Maybe I'll show Sam later, but uh, my mm-hmm. hand drawings are pretty professional.
0: So. Pretty, pretty pro
2: pretty professional
0: Uh Frank concludes I had a new game to try but it became a little too complicated and probably too time consuming so I'll work on refining it and save it for a later date but I'll give you guys a hint alternate film premises have a good one creeps (laughs) and guest creep thank (laughs) you Frank thank you Frank always nice yes next Uh, up we have Scott Bailey George Scott George C Scott Bailey correct he's back no subject How are you guys doing? Hope you guys haven't gone totally insane yet. Since I'm currently still out of work for the quarantine, I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing. I have two questions for you guys this week. I was listening to last week's episode, and you were talking about Star Trek. It reminded me of my most hated phrase, which is, beam me up, Scotty. So my Mm. first question, I want, yeah, I guess he probably gets that a lot, being a Scott Bailey. Mm. So Mm. my first question is, what is your most hated phrase from a movie or TV show? Oh, man. Second question is a food question. Uh, What are the foods that you don't like or are overrated?
2: Ooh, buttermilk
0: biscuits.
2: (laughs) Fuck that shit.
0: Get that shit out of there. Is is RJ wrong, Sam? He is wrong. I'm
2: I'm pro buttermilk biscuits.
0: Yeah.
2: I got to admit, I think I did something wrong. Yeah, I think you did. (laughs) But uh, whatever. I'm sticking with it. Uh, So it's good to hear from George C. Scott Bailey. I have two things to say. One, Animal Crossing uh, he's he should uh, email his friend code cuz guess what Jerry I've never really mentioned but I am in the Nintendo Switch family and what? I've been gaming that Animal Crossing. Sam, you got a Nintendo Switch? What What do you kids t-
0: do? Well,
2: When Your do you kids have time
0: do? to do this RJ?
2: Send send me their uh, making a make a profile <laughs> and send me the friend code. Don't, For you, don't, not, not your don't, kids. Don't give don't, them don't, any of don't, my... don't,
0: don't send your children's information. To our, our
2: <laughs> but you make your own profile. Send me that friend code. Uh, and yeah, when did I have time? Don't worry about it. The point is, you me and friend... You
0: are... don't have a job. How can you,
2: like, what are uh, do you I'm doing over there? I'm getting government stimulus checks. Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: You're on the <laughs> team now.
2: Relax. No, uh, <laughs> well, so me and Ryan Nagel, as I've mentioned many times, we have extensive nintendo collections all i had to do was move a move a, move a few products and i was able to resource one of these switches <laughs> so actually what happened was i had a really hot game that was worth like 150 dollars or something like that and someone was moving a switch and uh we worked out a trade i've heard uh,
0: nintendo switches are going for oh. uh, a premium right now too
2: yeah, yeah, they are. So like the dude, I, I I knew the guy. I I went to school with him a while ago, and so it was like I gave him a game and like I don't know fifty bucks or something, and then he gave me a Switch. And uh, yeah, because like buyers bought them all out. But I've been playing that Animal Crossing. It's pretty cool. So I'd like to see George C. Scott's uh, Island, and uh, maybe me and friend of the show Ryan Nagel will come for a visit one day. Secondly, what was his other question? Oh, lines that you hate. I'm gonna jump into this, and then I'll throw it back to you guys.
3: Please do. I have
2: two two lines I fucking hate so much michelle rodriguez says them in every single movie number one i didn't sign up for this <laughs> and number two i hate the phrase uh this like the the same in cold blood i hate it <laughs> i hate it so much oh. tv movies i i've read in cold blood i know all about that shit i i think it's the dumbest thing to say where it's like killed in cold blood it's like shut up shut up get go away Anyways, those ones suck. What about you guys?
0: Uh, my The worst, I think, just off the top of my head, is when a character goes, oh, my God, and then the villain goes, no, my name, <laughs> or no. not yet. It's it's the shits. It's so fucking yeah. bad.
2: That is bad. That is bad. Hey, fun fact. Did you know that Beam Me Up Scotty is never actually said in the original series, Jer? I, I think I do know that. What about you, Sam Sanchez? What are your most favorite or most hated lines?
1: I don't think i can I have anything I can think of, though, I guess similar, it's not necessarily from a movie, but similar to how you said with the uh, Beam Me Up Scotty that Mr. George mm. C. Scott Bailey probably hears mm-hmm. that a lot. I just hear a lot. Yeah. Sam, I am a lot. so but that's mm. nothing that's more of a Dr. Seuss thing. yeah. um, but I can't think of anything specifically uh, as far as like from a movie that I would um that I can think of. Yeah.
0: Mm. No one's ever told you to play it again,
1: oh. Actually, I just watched that recently, too, uh, the, the Woody Allen one. But well, no, no, nobody's I, – I honestly, I don't really interact with people that have probably even seen Casablanca.
2: If, uh, if you and me ever hung out, I would just hit you with I Am Sam quotes. There you go. Like yeah. going to Big Boy Burger or whatever uh, that restaurant is in that movie. Do you remember that one, Jared? Nope. No? You've I, never seen I, I Am Sam? I, I refused. I, I've I, never seen
3: I Am what? Sam either.
0: Neither of you? You're the real cinephile here, RJ.
2: Oh, my God. Didn't he win an Oscar for that?
0: I don't know. Uh, What about what foods you Mm. don't like are overrated? Uh, So his were for overrated, something called Middlesworth Potato Chips. It's more of a Pennsylvania thing. Uh, Mm. Coke Cola.
2: I wonder if he likes the idea of Coke more than he actually (laughs) likes Coke. It's possible. And for hated.
0: Ooh, man, this is upsetting. Meatloaf, the food. (gasps) Mac and cheese. Hmm. Whoa. Tomatoes. Uh, I kind of get
2: tomatoes in some contexts, But grilled cheese sandwiches. He's just shitting on all your favorite foods (laughs) over there. I don't know if you knew this, Sam, but you know like Kraft Dinner, macaroni and cheese? Yeah. Canada is the number one consumer of uh, Kraft Dinner. I did not know that. Just so you know, man. (laughs) Just so you know. And uh, I got a killer meatloaf recipe I can give to George C. Scott Bailey if he (laughs) wants. You got to write it down, RJ. We got to do the cookbook. I know, people. Now's better time than ever, I guess. I made hand pies a couple days ago. That was pretty good.
0: I saw that. I did see that. Yeah, hand pies. (laughs) Any any hated food, Sam.
1: Um, I kind of eat like a child uh in okay. that. I, well as far as like a, like whenever I go out to somewhere i can I, not not into onions tomatoes pickles nothing like that so i'm, I'm on his side with onions go how that goes um so usually if i get a burger from somewhere literally just lettuce cheese okay. some ketchup
0: i i agree with you on that with burgers there's something mm-hmm. about like i find that yeah I, I i cook with onions i will cook with I will eat tomatoes, but on a burger in particular, it's just like, nah, just cut the, cut off the middle, man. Just,
1: yeah. Similar with like meat. (laughs) Yeah. Similar with pizza. Like for me, pizza as well, just cheese, meat. I like jalapenos, so I will put jalapenos Mm. on there, but as far as like any of the the Supremes or pineapple, get that shit off my pizza. (laughs) Like, I I don't like any of that. Um, Though, I don't know if you guys have ever had, this is more of like a Mexican thing or uh, there's ceviche. I don't know if you guys ever had ceviche. Mm -hmm. But it's uh, my mom makes really good like shrimp ceviche. But you know, cu- the buds of cop- uh, like chopped up. There's onion in there, tomato stuff like that. I'll mm-hmm. eat it on there. That's fine, basically, 'cause it's kind of disguised by the lemon, the shrimp, the hot sauce I put on there. But other than that, no, not into onions, not into tomatoes, none, none of that. Yeah,
2: I I've had ceviche up here, but uh, I think the ceviche we get in uh, Canada is probably a little <laughs> bit different from like where
0: can you? Where are we from? <laughs> Canada. Canada.
3: Wow. Canada.
2: Hey, I gotta, I gotta say though, I'm with both of you guys on onions. I'm very finicky with onions. Sometimes I love onions. Sometimes I hate that shit. Get that shit out of
0: there. Part of the problem is they, they don't get cooked properly. If you got right. to, you got to brown them. Uh, mm-hmm. or if caramelized onions are incredible, uh, but yeah. yeah, it's all about preparation. I find that, uh, usually when you find like raw onion, mm, not a good time, not a yeah. good time.
2: Not, not really. Can I tell you one thing that I legitimately hate? Yes, please. Mushrooms. <laughs> what oh my god mushrooms are so gross they're so gross they (laughs) like they have those like not the taste i actually like i don't mind the taste of mushrooms but the mushroom itself is such a disgusting thing it's got those gills it grows out of like shit and like through walls and there's always like five thousand of them oh and they're they're delicious i hate mushrooms
1: what
0: thank you sam Uh, what do you feel about mushrooms
1: they're not on my pizza either so
0: okay Nice. Man, oh man, Mush mm-hmm. Oh boy,
2: no mush in the cookbook.
0: <laughs> well, that's stimulating. We're we're almost been here for like fifty minutes, and we're just still going through emails. Amazing. Nice. All nice. right, finally, and yes, uh, thank you, Scott. Uh, finally, Justin Peterson. Ooh, baby! what, what is this? Injuries, baseball, <laughs> Red Ooh. River, and extra pepper. Hey, Jared, RJ, and Sam Sanchez, what's happening? It is now week six of the quarantine, and the announcement finally came today that schools in South Carolina will remain closed for the rest of the year. It's the kind of announcement that reminds me of Groundhog Day, but there is no winter in sight. But yet, we remain cooped up around the house with three stir-crazy kiddos. Thankfully, my wife and I have jobs that allow us to continue uh, living normally, and best wishes to those who are not as fortunate. Is it that bad, Sam?
1: Uh It's As far as teaching three kids, I also have three kids, it's tough, right. especially right now where I'm uh, kind of in rotation working. So it's yeah. kind of hard to like, all right, so I have to kind of trust them to get their stuff done without me being there and hopefully their mother will help them with that. But mm-hmm. it's it, it's tough. And like I, I was uh, like two weeks ago when first got into the swing of things, it, I, I like to sleep in. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, let me sleep in a little bit. We'll get, you're going to get started with your schoolwork later than you would if you if you had school. But you come 10 o'clock in the morning, school. And then basically by the time I got started with all three of them, kind of walking them through everything, helping them with any questions they had, kind of making sure everything was getting completed. By the time I finished up, it was 10 p.m. So it was like a 12-hour, mm-hmm. like just trying to make sure everything was done. I was like, I'd rather be working right now <laughs> and, yep. than to be helping. But it, it's – We've gotten more into the swing of things, so it's right. getting done quicker and stuff, but I can see it be with three kids and trying to devote enough attention to all three of them and kind of just basically juggling them, jumping between each one. It's it's tough.
0: I was out for a walk on yesterday, I guess, and while walking around the lake, I came across this dad with his two kids, and his, both kids were just at him as he's on his phone being like, Dad, I'm thirsty. Dad, what's mm-hmm. that? And like they were just doing that, and I'm like, oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> I just keep walking away.
2: Uh, well, I'll say this to you, Sam, and uh, anyone else out there listening. Uh, if you guys need an online tutor, <laughs> I'm available. I charge $400 an hour, but baby, is it worth it? And you'll provide your friend codes as well. For I will provide you my friend code on <laughs> you, Switch.
0: Why do you want access to people's children, RJ? I,
2: I'm well for money for one wow uh i i have a degree in education i am legally i have a certificate to teach in uh, this province sam so i've never really said that on the podcast but uh uh i know i know how to teach some kids some stuff (laughs) how what's uh what's your age range youngest to oldest (laughs) six to (laughs) twelve okay yeah i've taught some 12 years old uh i've i've taught in between there So if you ever need any resources, I probably couldn't help you because our curriculums are probably different. (laughs) But friend codes... So,
0: Justin continues. I was on a long bike ride with the kids the other day, and my oldest son decided it would be funny to cut me off, which resulted in me getting forced off the path and flying over my handlebars onto the path. Holy shit, it hurt and resulted in the side of my chest getting all bruised up, which makes it hurt when I lift things or cough. Oh my God, at least I can still say I have never broken a bone. So, what are some of the worst injuries you guys have ever had? I've actually I, I can definitely say I've never broken a bone knock on wood um other than a, a bout of pneumonia that went awry uh I've uh, left a pretty pretty healthy life on the whole and avoided uh accidental injury how about you too
2: well before Sam takes it away I just want to say that Jared's underplaying his ammonia because he had he had like a collapsed lung and they had to like puncture his lungs through his back and stuff
3: just it's it
2: grizzly just a little bit it's, it's pretty grizzly. It's all good. But uh, what about you, Sam? You have ever been in any life-threatening injuries or you know, mild even? Uh-huh. Luckily, not too much. The only thing that I
1: have broken was. Uh, speaking of, well, I'm not sure if he's going to cover baseball later, but <laughs> baseball related. Mm. Um, um, I used to play baseball from like the age of four till I was like 18. Mm-hmm. Um, I broke my pinky while batting, mm-hmm. and it was like <laughs> pink, it was my pinky from like the bottom part. So it wasn't like the actual finger itself but like mm-hmm. from under, within the palm.
3: You okay. Um,
1: I squared around a bunt, which honestly I'm not too sure why the manager had me bunt. I was actually one of the better hitters on the team, and mm-hmm. I probably would have been better swinging away. But I squared around the bunt. The pitcher threw the ball like at my face. So as I backed away from it, like my hands pulled back, the ball like, kind of like went past my face and hit, smacked my hand against the bat.
3: Mm-hmm. And then
1: afterwards I basically checked I couldn't make a fist. Like the pinky would kind of curl in when mm-hmm. I would close my hand. And I was like, okay, that doesn't look right. And then so I kind of took off my glove. The the umpire called it a foul ball. So technically, it wasn't a hit by pitch or anything. So Mm -hmm. the manager ended up taking me out. They put in a pinch hitter for me. And then I kind of went into the dugout, checked it. Then my dad, because I think I was 14 at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, My dad checked it. He was like, okay, let's go get this taken care of right now. (laughs) Because it was pretty obviously curling in. So I had to wear a cast on my, pretty much it was all the way down to my elbow for my pinky. Wow. Is it
2: still like a little, little messed up or right. good? It th-
1: feels, feels pretty normal. So I had to like yeah. learn for, because like, I had it on there for maybe like two months, I think. Yeah. So I had to learn how to write with my left hand a little bit, which I can't. Like, yeah. I, I, I could probably write neater than probably like an average person can, but I'm, yeah. I'm not ambidextrous or anything. Yeah. And then I, I can I can throw with my left actually, because I would go into the backyard every once in a while and just like chuck a, a ball against the mm-hmm. wall. So I kind of learned to throw with my left hand. But, That's not bad. Yeah, that's it. I haven't really broken
2: anything else that I can think of. It's funny that you mentioned you should just swing away. Do you remember that movie Signs where <laughs> when Mel Gibson tells Joaquin Phoenix to swing away? Yes. That was a good scene, eh? That was a great scene. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, uh, any other injuries, Sam? No, I think that's it. Yeah i've been fucked up pretty good (laughs) i uh one time i uh i got a concussion in uh rugby and i threw up everywhere but they let me play the rest of the game still and i don't remember like two two three days out of that and that one was pretty bad uh i broke my collarbone in rugby and uh and it didn't heal right so like it broke and then it like came back up and it it healed like this. So I have like a chunk of bone sticky note of my collar, which is like uncomfortable and it hurts sometimes. And then when I was in junior high, I, uh, I fell off the back of a truck and I, uh, I got road rash all over my body and I broke, uh, like the whole top deck of my teeth. So these are like a bunch of these teeth are fake. Cause I broke them all. How'd you fall off a truck? Uh, it's a long story. It's a, <laughs> it's a long story. Uh, I'll tell it some other time, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've broke some bones.
0: Well, you'll have to write in next time in an email and say, RJ, you have to tell us the broken teeth story.
2: <laughs> it's not that interesting. I fell and then I, I broke my teeth, and these are fake now. So <laughs> there you they go. hurt sometimes.
0: Goat movie question of the mm. week. I've always noticed on Letterboxd how Sam Sanchez has a picture of the Los Angeles Angels as his profile picture, which makes me think he must be really missing baseball this year. Wow. So what are Mm -hmm. your greatest of all time baseball movies? I really love the kids ones growing up like the Sandlot, Little Big League, Mm -hmm. and especially Rookie of the Year. And I'm still ashamed to say that I've never seen Field of Dreams.
1: Well. (laughs) Yeah. So for me, like um, there's... I guess baseball movies are probably like the sports movie that seems to be like the most cinematic or at least that get, mm-hmm. they get the most shots at making movies of. Like there's probably way more of those like uh, than football, basketball. Though there's still some of those. But for baseball, I can't think of any that I actually, like I, I enjoy a lot of them. But none of them I would really say are like among my favorite movies of all time or anything. I do like Field of Dreams a lot. Um, it's very, very schmaltzy, <laughs> very, mm-hmm. um, it's, um, what's it called? It's, it's just not that great a movie i I watch it knowing it's not an amazing movie or anything but i do uh as far as a baseball fan being a baseball fan it's very sentimental and it does make you feel like okay it's very romantic as Mm. far as baseball goes um i'm not a huge bull durham fan even though it's a future creep (laughs) like i I do uh i do enjoy it but i don't hold it to the same level like when everyone holds it as like one of the classics of baseball Are you more Um, of a
0: cob fan
1: I actually have never seen Cobb. I've never seen Cobb. <laughs> if you, if you want
0: to see Tommy Lee Jones go on racial tirades, I got a movie Cub. for you.
1: Yeah, I know Ty Cobb was not a good man.
0: Not a good dude. <laughs> yeah. Ooh.
1: And then um, I do like Major League. I'm a Major League guy. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big Major League guy. Um, I Enjoy The sand lot, as I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I what else? Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year is a fun one. Angels in the Outfield. Mm-hmm. Good. I watched a recent one, actually the last one called Kill the Umpire. It's on Criterion Channel. It's ridiculous. Is it good? It's not, it's not very good. Oh. It's just – okay. it's, like it's like a 40s, 50s movie with William Bendix. I don't know if you've seen William Bendix. He's in a lot of film mm-hmm. noir. Um, but it's just – it's very cartoonish of a guy who just very much hates umpires. <laughs> and then and his, and his father-in-law is an umpire. But then he becomes an umpire himself and learns to sympathize with umpires. It's a very random movie to have on Criterion Channel, and I happen to see it there. So I was like, oh, let me check it out. It's pretty ridiculous. So I would not put that up there. But I would say if I have to pick like one or two, maybe Field of Dreams and Major League. Uh, Mm.
0: I noticed that you didn't uh, suggest Squeeze Play, directed by Lloyd Kaufman.
1: Mm. (laughs) I almost forgot that had baseball in it.
0: Yep. It's got a baseball to the butt. Yeah. RJ and I watched most of that movie together, and then he left, and then neither of us finished. Really, I put—I think I put it on fast forward. Yeah.
2: There was like fifteen minutes left, and I was like, "I'm leaving," <laughs> and I just left his house. Yep. yep. What about time. you,
0: Jared? What What's your favorite sports movies? Well, it's baseball, and nope.
2: Okay, okay. <laughs> hey, I got so i got some sports movies for you. I, I'm bummed out that Sam doesn't like Bull Durham as much, but uh, maybe you're more of a summer catch guy. Like with the Freddie Prince Jr. movie, Hard Catch, a, is that a summer is that a movie? catch? Summer catch. H- Hard Ball is a movie. Hard with ball. Keanu Hard. Reeves. That's a good movie. I, these
0: are uh, these are all these are all uh, Bobby Hoff picks, RJ.
2: Oh, hundred percent, and they're all very good movies, Jarrett. Very good movies. Uh, I've mentioned many times the Sandlot. I think is amazing. Here's some other good movies: Varsity Blues, Any Given Sunday, Friday Night Lights. Little no, giants. Are, are, are do, is baseball played in these movies? Uh, those are all football movies. Uh, it was specifically baseball? Yes. <laughs> does uh, ba- does baseball... What?
0: Quote to quote. So what are your greatest of all time baseball movies? Hmm.
2: Okay, I'm going to say basketball.
3: Done. That counts. That counts. It's,
2: it's a baseball. Uh, and they uh, have baseball done. things. Right? I'll allow it.
0: <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm fine with it uh, Justin continues I just started watching Future Creep Red River For the first time And it may be my favorite John Wayne film If the second half Is as good as the first So do you guys like John Wayne as an actor And what are his best movies RJ you love John Wayne Don't you? Uh... The
1: Searchers <laughs> <laughs> Here you go uh, Sam I actually do like John Wayne actually I don't yeah. like Think he's a great actor But he's in no. a lot of movies I, I, I like yeah. Uh, I would probably say Rio Bravo. I, okay. I, I remember loving Rio Bravo, um, the Searchers. Um, but yeah, I I like a lot of John Wayne movies. I guess more than I actually like John Wayne as an actor.
0: Yeah, he's like just a presence. Like he's like yeah. that's all he is. He's kind of like a, a a Dwayne Johnson where it's like it's all just charisma rather than mm-hmm. actual acting chops. But or or they make it look easy. I don't know. Uh, looking over, I've only seen twelve John Wayne movies. That's crazy. Shot
1: Liberty Balance.
0: There we go. That's another one. Okay. Uh yeah. yeah. I, I actually I really like Stagecoach a lot. When I saw that, I don't know if it's specifically him that I liked about it. I just like was impressed with how well edited that is. Uh Red River, what did I give that? I thought it was not too bad. I haven't seen True Grit forever. And I haven't like yeah, it's actually actually it's kind of crazy how few John
2: Wayne movies I've really seen. I need to rectify that.
0: So yeah, the searchers.
2: <laughs> have you ever seen The Greatest Story Ever Told by George Stevens? I, I have not. It's a, it is a biblical film mm-hmm. about Christ. JC, praise him, and uh, Judas with Donald Pleasance as the devil, Ed Wynn as an old Aram, and John Wayne as a centurion. Ooh. It's, uh, this looks yeah. pretty good. Max von Sydow uh. plays JC himself. I want to see the uh, the movie that killed him. What? <laughs> the, the movie that
0: where, he, where he got exposed to radiation poisoning, the Genghis Khan movie. Was
2: that The Conqueror?
0: Yeah. That's the ticket. It's oh. good times. Good times. No, I've like, yeah, I, I actually own a whole bunch of these too on DVD. Like there's all these like mm. John Ford packs and various Western things. And there's like, I just have neglected uh, watching Hatari and she wore a yellow ribbon and Rio Grande and El Dorado. Mm. I haven't seen them.
1: Damn! Yeah, I'm looking at my letterbox. I've only seen ten. I could have sworn I've seen way more than that. It,
0: it, it feels like it, right? But uh, that's really surprising. Never. Even, uh, didn't I, realize well, it. I've,
1: I've, I've seen the Quiet Man. I remember liking the Quiet Man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, looking at this for sure. Rio Bravo, uh, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, The Searchers, and Stagecoach
3: would
1: mm. be yeah. up there. Yeah. Does he have any baseball movies? Uh, I don't know. He'd probably be
0: a good Babe Ruth or something. <laughs> sure. I have heard you guys talk about tons of horror movies on the show, but I don't recall hearing your thoughts on Scream. I recently watched it, and while I can mm. see why it is so iconic for the time, uh, and, and while I can see why can, it's overall not a great movie, especially how much the guys in the Mr. Ghostface mask get beat up along the way. So, what say you on the subject? Uh, so, when I was a kid, Scream was the awesomest movie. I loved that movie so much; I watched it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I rewatched it like a couple of years ago, and Man, it it hasn't aged great. It's still like not bad. But mm-hmm. yeah, it definitely uh the, the power it had in and the being at the like the birth of the, the new wave, the neo slasher of the late nineties. Um, mm. I, I think it uh it's of historical note, but I don't know. how about you two?
1: Uh, Sam? Yeah, I I well according to Letterboxd, the last time I saw it was like four years ago. I, for me it seems like it's been longer than that. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I like Scream. Um I me Part too. of the, like them being goofy and like as far as like being cl- like, basically beat up and falling all over the place. To me, that's kind of part of the charm. They're just two like yeah. dumbasses basically that yeah. became murderers. So that's all part of the charm. Uh, it's actually you know it's pretty funny. Um, the tonal shifts kind of feel weird, mm-hmm. uh, like when you try to watch it again. But I think part of like the clumsiness of the killers is part of its charm.
2: I yeah, um, I get that. Yep. Absolutely, I'm uh, I'm with you 100%, Sam. Because uh, I watched it, I rewatched it two. Uh, I I just checked two years ago, like uh, two, Cryptober 2018, and uh, I, I I really enjoyed it when I watched it again. It was nostalgic and 90s for me, so I like that part. But same thing with what you were saying. I was like, they, they're goofy and they're clumsy and they get beat up a lot. I was like, it's awesome. It's nice. Yeah. 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 And
1: there's something that's like just very watchable from of these movies from that era, even if there a lot of them are bad. Like yeah, just, mm-hmm. it's pretty easy to put on. Like a, um, I know what you did last summer or Valentine or <laughs> one of those <laughs> movies. Even even though a lot of them are bad, they're just very easy to watch. The Faculty, yeah, like, oh, movies from that movie, era.
0: My my whole, uh, those were the the summers for me. That's all I was watching in theater or those movies. Mm-hmm. ah good times good times <laughs> uh finally nice. let's talk about unique food choices that you like or don't Ooh. like what the hell <laughs> what, what is up with this week i have always Weird. looked for ways to make my po- oh, oh wait a minute okay this is interesting i have always looked for ways to make my popcorn more spicy and sometimes i would put a little hot sauce on it but that would just make it soggy but I recently mm-hmm. discovered that adding pepper plus the salt and maybe some extra butter is an, an excellent solution. I also have bought into the idea of eating cheddar cheese on apple pie. <sighs> Oof. Ooh, but I, but, that's American. Uh, yeah, some people are into that they around it. here too. But yep. I fucking hate Miracle Whip and Jell-O. So what are your foods and unusual combos that you like or dislike?
2: So this is the positive side of things, I guess, Other mm. things we hate. <laughs> yeah, I don't like Miracle Whip either. I'm a straight mayonnaise guy. I've never liked oh. Miracle Whip. I don't like that tangy zip.
0: Yeah, mir- I, Miracle Whip. I think when I was a kid, I used to be all about that Miracle Whip, but uh, mm-hmm. now now it's Hellman's. Yeah, Hellman's are
2: What was that first thing he said? I was going to comment on that. About popcorn, wise. spicy popcorn. Oh, what Andrea does is she puts hot sauce in the butter and then mixes it there and then puts that on. It gets soggy like near the end of the bowl, of course, but yeah. for you work through it fast enough, you uh, you get some good spicy uh, popcorn. So. It's one way to do it. What about you, Sam? You ever eat food?
1: <laughs> I eat I eat plenty of food. Okay, um, cool. But as far as, like, can I touch on, like, the spicy popcorn? Yeah. For uh-huh. me, it, especially, mean Mexican, there's a lot of, like, you know, putting spices on a lot of stuff is, like, something pretty common. I'm actually not into that at all. Like, mm. uh, people, you know, getting, like, fruit little plates with, like, a bunch of, like, spices on it, like, putting, like, some tapatillo and other stuff mm-hmm. on there. That's what a lot of people do, or you can actually just go to the store, buy, like, one of those fruit cups that just has like. Some, um. Basically, lemon, Tabati all over the everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for me, I love spicy food. But for me, it just goes on stuff that it belongs to, like some meats here and there or other mm-hmm. stuff. But not like fruit cups, uh, spicy drinks. Like I don't like that either. Like uh, mm-hmm. I'm on. I'm not into any like spicy, uh, spicy drinks or anything like that. um But weird combinations, I can't really think of. Like I said, I'm kind of very plain as far as what I eat. Mm-hmm. So I don't really go out of the way. Like I know uh, my wife, she would do. Like dipping fries and ice cream kind of stuff combinations. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not into any of that. <laughs> no, me, me so, neither.
2: Yeah, I uh, I also don't like things that shouldn't be spicy that are spicy too, like spicy drinks and stuff. I I ain't about that. But the food that should be spicy, I like it spicy. Yes, I like spicy. Here's a weird combination for you guys. Maybe it's not weird. Maybe it's pretty normal. I like uh Dunkin' Doritos and sour cream. you guys, uh, you guys ever try that? What? what? Well, I mean, like, I mean, with salsa or, ditch,
0: like, 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 nachos ditch, or something.
2: No, no, just, like, just straight Doritos. You open up a bag of zesty Mordant and you dump that <laughs> shit in some sour cream.
1: I've done that. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that weird, right? Huh. It's not too bad. I thought it was fairly yeah. common. At least I grew up with people doing it, so maybe okay. I just expect it to be kind of common. I don't do it myself, but I have done it. I like
2: it. And then I even just dunk plain chips in sour cream. However... Now this might be where it gets weird. We don't buy sour cream anymore. We just buy Greek yogurt. So I dunk Doritos and plain chips in Greek yogurt. Now is that weird? I don't uh, think so.
0: Right? That sounds fine. Okay. I, I'll, I'll allow it. Uh, I okay. just, does the Sanchez family have like a, a good mole recipe? I don't know.
1: <laughs> my mom makes my mom makes a good mole. So.
0: Oh, good. All right. Yeah, I, I don't I, know I, the recipe, but
1: okay. It's good.
0: I, I just tried making some, and uh, it was actually, it was a mole chili. It did not work out <laughs> that great.
2: Wait a minute! It was a chili. It was a chili. I got the chili recipe, my man. You want some chili? Oh no! I'll I make you can, some no.
0: Chili. Uh, believe me, chili's not too tough. But I wanted to try this mole chili. I've I got some mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. some dehydrated mm-hmm. peppers, some ancho peppers, I guess. And. Trying some things out, but it didn't work out great. So I got to keep looking. Uh, finally, <laughs> Justin concludes. Also, JD, are you a fan of the part of Ghost World when Thor Birch makes fun of the often mocked extra movie theater buttery liquid? And do you guys always get popcorn at the movies? When I go solo, I don't. But when the kids are there with me, they demand popcorn and Ices. I guess that's like a, is that like Slurpees? Ices?
2: Ices? No, those are like Freezies. Oh, oh no, okay. wait. Maybe. maybe they are. A, yeah, a I, would, way. I would assume Freezies. Or like some places in the states, they're called otter pops.
1: No, ICs are basically Slurpees. At least,
2: oh, they are Slurpees. Little ones. Yeah, yeah. that's what I saw.
1: It's IC brand. yeah, basically Slurpees are ICs, but 7-Eleven brand.
2: I guess I'm just way out to fucking
1: lunch, eh? Uh,
0: I don't know. Uh, As always, yeah. That Ghost World's great and everything about it's great, uh, including her her revolt at uh, pumping the popcorn juice uh, into the thing; it just squirts back out. That's pretty good. Uh, and yeah, I I don't care about popcorn that much. It's like fine if somebody wants it, I'll have it. But for the most part, I'm at the theater. I'm there to just watch the movie. What about just at home for a snack? We've talked about that before. Uh, no, nothing.
3: Yeah, I, mean, I just need. I some
0: cool tap water. I watched too many. I mean, well, in my heyday, I've watched a lot of movies. You can't be eating all the time there, RJ. You
2: can trust well, that, me. Just, just, I am doing it. just scooping
0: in that sour cream in your mouth, just like not foregoing even the chips. Just just drinking just sour cream. Greek yeah.
2: yogurt. Actually, I don't like yogurt. I, I find it. I can't eat yogurt on its own. It's weird. Even if I put like granola and berries in it, but if I dunk chips in it, it's it's fine.
1: Hmm.
2: Yep.
0: Well, thank you, Justin. And my Ooh. goodness, uh, <laughs> gentlemen, uh, what what have we been creeping on this
2: week? <laughs> Should uh, d- hey Sam, do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first? Um, you can go first. Are All you right. sure? Um. Okay, <laughs> Jarrett. Uh, well, Sam i don't know if you know this but uh i'm a big fan of 70s cinema (laughs) and uh i have all these movies these things that sometimes people call them like neo-noirs or thrillers or even just plain old crime movies uh i've always been a big fan of guys like robert altman and uh guys like elliot gould uh are you familiar with any of these i don't i'm not sure if you are i don't i don't know I'm probably not the connoisseur
1: of them as, as you are, but
2: go on. Fair, fair. Well, uh, you know, it's long been requested that uh, I watch s- certain movies. So uh, we braved the real world. Uh, I wore my mask. I was six meters away from Jarrett. And uh, I got some films. So I watched an uh, Elliot Gould trifecta uh, uh, that was Busting, The Long Goodbye, and The Silent Partner.
0: Only because I forgot California Split.
2: It, yeah so uh he's a bad guy sam mm-hmm. and you clearly see that now and i also
0: um, also forgot uh t- to throw into this uh, pack was uh charlie varick uh
2: do you know those movies sam i i do <laughs> do you think they would have fit
1: well uh charlie Verick was actually charlie varick was one that i threw out there right
2: yeah, yeah, because yeah, for the, for the Walter
0: Matthau... Actually, that might have even kicked off this whole... the uh, RJ, why don't <laughs> it, you watch 70s movies thing? It but might actually, have. But I was, when I was going through uh, RJ's watch list, I didn't go deep enough maybe, and I was like... Because I, afterwards, I was
2: like, God damn it, there was all <laughs> along. It's okay. We'll get them next time. Next right? time. Next time. So... uh I watch these movies, and uh, I'll just talk about them a little bit. The first one, they're all from different guys, but uh first one, I watched in, I think, The Order of Release, because I was like, that makes the most sense. Almost, because
0: uh, Long Goodbye 73.
2: I watched them in The Order of Release, so uh, I thought that made sense. So we have 1974's Busting uh, by Peter Hams, uh, and I found the description on Letterboxd that I'm looking at right now a little bit um, not exactly accurate because it's like a big part of the paragraph is like one scene in the movie early on and it's got like very little implication later but i feel like if you read this you'd be misled because it says during the uh, course of their investigation and there's a typo there uh the two cops disguise themselves as gays and raid a gay bar and like i mean that's a scene in the movie but i don't think that that's like warranted in the the synopsis do you I don't. Uh, that is weird. That basically like,
1: just sums up a, a scene of the movie as the that, plot.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's that's just a scene in the movie. That's got, like, hardly anything to do with this. And there's a typo in that, too. Uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, so Busting is a show um, with uh, our man, Elliot Gould, the sex machine. Him and uh, – con- well, not convicted, but, uh, you know, Robert Blake, who uh, – has, is is uh, a bit of a suspicious guy uh as everybody knows you 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 know him from lost highway and in cold blood uh he killed his wife right uh, uh allegedly. Or was he acquitted i think he was acquitted
1: uh, i believe yeah
0: yeah
2: but oh, didn't didn't his second wife also die or something like that
0: well he was acqu- I mean he was acquitted there was a civil case he might times? Have been, uh <laughs> i don't know if there
2: was multiple times. Okay, maybe I think it's someone else. Anyways, Robert Blake's a creepy fucking dude. And when I was watching this, I didn't realize it was him at first. And then later, like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes in, I was like, whoa, Robert Blake? Crazy. Anyways, Boston is a show about two cops, Robert Blake and uh, our boy, Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould's got a pretty stellar mustache. Uh, They're two detectives. They're trying. They're going after a a drug kingpin named, um, what do they call him in this thing? Rizzo. Yeah rizzo so anyways they're going after this guy this guy's got his hands in uh hookers uh in rubbing tubs uh in illegal boxing uh he runs a boxing thing and not illegal boxing but like uh i bet the fix was in it usually is in these things it's got his hand in drugs uh and it goes all the way to the top guys goes all the way to the top so uh they're trying to fight this stuff street level but when they keep getting blowback from their higher ups in the department they're like not sure what they're supposed to do so uh they do go to a gay bar as advertised in the synopsis and a fight ensues which is a scene in this movie that may be four or five minutes long uh and then they get in trouble because they're going after the mob boss too much and uh then they get put on washroom duty and they go to a public washroom where uh some kind of sex pervert is hanging out a real jared duncan thing uh so sam can see my air quotes I guess people listening can't, so they think I just actually he is a sex pervert. <laughs> but uh, whatever. So, anyways, uh, they're fighting the crime, and uh, I gotta say, Boston's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good little like cop uh, thriller. Uh, Elliot Gould's awesome. Robert Blake is good. He wasn't like um, he was what he I didn't know try of to him. kill anybody. He didn't try <laughs> to kill while you while you watched and, it. You, he, he didn't fight. try to kill
0: you, which is also yeah. good.
2: Which is also good. I was surprised by the kind of role he had in this as an actor because of what I know him as a real human I was like oh weird Robert <laughs> play uh, but it's good and it's got um it's not like I don't think it's by the book where uh, it doesn't necessarily get into go down too many ways that you would think it would go down uh, like you can't really think words are hard. It's it's nothing too predictable, and the ending is like uh, not quite what you expect. So I I liked it for those reasons. But Bustin's pretty good. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I remember like um busting from the three. That's the one probably I- I've only seen that one once. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember liking it. So it's, it hasn't quite uh, for me at least uh, the way I feel about it isn't quite like the level of like the Sonic Partner yet or Long Goodbye. Mm-hmm. But I do mm-hmm. remember liking busting a lot. Um, I remember I was going through like early, like buddy cop kind of movies when I watched that like that Freebie and the Bean. And which is like which is 70s.
0: another one on the list of R.J. <laughs> movies that he should be watching. Just add
2: it to the
1: list,
0: man. And and I was just thinking because this is uh well this is lost. What's the San Francisco one that I'm thinking of? But uh, Laughing Policeman with Walter Matthau would fit in mm. well with these.
1: That's another one. Actually, I haven't seen that one yet.
0: Ooh so. yeah, uh, it's it's definitely not as good as these, but it's absolutely worth uh, watching at some point.
2: I'll have to add that to the list. Yeah. Nice. What do you think of Boston, Jared?
0: Awesome. Uh, it's, uh, yep. I mean, this is uh, some prime Gould. Um, mm-hmm. and, this is uh, his
2: sexiest out of all three. Well, he's definitely, got,
0: he's got those mutton sh- like He's got that
2: massive stash, right? Yeah, he's got a real wicked uh, mustache. It's not really a handlebar, but like where it would be the handle, it kind of spurts out a little bit. And then he's got huge sideburns and long hair. What? He smokes a lot in this too. And one thing I'll say, all of these movies, tons of smoking. I love it. I love smoking in movies, and I, I wish, like, they don't do it as much anymore, but it really makes you want to get out there. Hey, Jer?
0: Go out what, on the deck and smoke? Sure. Yeah?
2: Yeah, go out for a dart, just for a rip, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: anyway, uh, yeah. I, I, the thing I should ask, too, is, like, uh, do we recall our, like, first encounter with Elliot Gould as a performer? Because I'm pretty sure mine was the big hit. So, like, this is, like, long after uh, his heyday of the 70s, but uh, when he's, like, kind of settling into, like, kind of, like, fat dad mm-hmm. honestly, or, fa- or, or fat old grandpa,
1: I guess. Yeah. For me, it probably – when I probably didn't even know it was him at the time because yeah. I think I probably watched this before I actually got into movies, but it probably would have been American History X.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Like, I think I remember just then probably when I watched that again, which – I think the second time I saw it probably was still over 10 years ago. Like, oh, that's that's Elliot Gould. Yeah. Um, But I would say other than that, maybe also being the, the one of the dads on Friends.
2: Yes. Yeah, that actually because he's Ross's dad. He's Ross and Monica's dad. I was. That's that's where I know Elliot Gould from. Right. He's like, I know I'm from that. And uh, anytime I see him in anything else, I say, hey, friends.
1: Or the it's oceans movies, map. right? Yeah, and yep.
2: the uh, the oceans movies too. Yeah, that's where I knew Elliot Gould from before any of these things. So, man, he's in a lot of crap. He's
0: in a ton <laughs> like, of stuff, but, but but a lot of it's crap. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but man, the '70s was uh, prime yeah, he stuff.
1: Was amazing in the '70s. Like I was like, just weird that he didn't transcend. Like like he could have been like a Dustin Hoffman or something. <laughs> kind of like his like his yep. movies are. Uh, I guess the closest thing to, to become like a hit from the '70s for him would have been Mash or uh, what would that
0: event. Yeah, MASH I think was definitely yeah. the the movie of that and then yeah, I mean, I don't know if people were kicking down the doors to see little murders. Uh, yeah. but uh yeah, that's is Nashville kind of probably his most capricorn one. I don't know did people actually watch that movie or is it just the conspiracy theory movie now. And the Muppet movie. That's uh <laughs> I guess he's in that too. Hey, what, he
1: was in, it in Nashville, Ronzo? but yeah, he, he was in Nashville but it wasn't mm. a big role. Yeah, very um,
0: minor because he's more—he's definitely more important in Mash. Yeah, totally, totally. But so yeah, uh, yeah, all, Buston's good.
2: Bustin's good. I gotta—I gotta admit to something on air though. So all three of these were Tino Vorber yep. movies. Are they known for quality? Uh, not—they're not, not criteria. Physical quality. Physical. Their quality. cases. Eh, no, they're—they're. They're, they're, Okay, well I the reason I'm bringing this up is do you know what the condition of busting was when you lent it to me? Was it sealed? Uh two of them were sealed. I can't remember which two. Okay. Maybe busting was. So if busting was one of the two, uh when I opened the Blu-ray <laughs> case, it fucking exploded. Like I opened it and like the 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 uh
0: the the blue like, case.
2: The spine. Like, you know, like the spine itself. Yeah. It, it, it just like, pff, it like shattered. And I was like, what the fuck? So, uh, yeah. I mean, we can use Sam's Patreon bucks to uh, right. buy a new Blu-ray of Bustin'. But I, hey, I'm all about honesty. I got to, transparency is important. So when I opened Bustin', that thing fucking exploded. And then I saw huh. the big Kino Lorber thing on there. And I was like, those sons of bitches. <laughs> So anyways. Yeah, I, I I
0: probably because I got that uh, probably on a Kino Lorber sale or something like that, and like because I'd seen the movie and I just bought it when it was like fifty percent off, and it was just <laughs> sitting on the shelf waiting for you to break it.
1: To break it, yeah, I've the, broken a few. <clears throat> the Charlie Verick that you have—that's
0: also a Kino Lorber, right? Uh, yeah, yes, I think so. But you don't have the indicator
1: one. No,
0: right? no, yeah, we've had that conversation. I can't. That was can, pretty I can, sweet. I, can, I know. I well, they just a whole bunch of stuff just got announced too. Or is it Second Sight? I'm thinking of now. Or is it the same? thing? yeah. Like, second site's doing a bunch of stuff. They're putting out like the Dawn of the Dead Super Collection yeah, at some point. And
1: yeah, second site's one that does like really nice, like limited edition, right? Yeah. I think I think I have. Uh, they released a pretty good Take Shelter, which I imported. Oh yeah. Um, and then they did. I don't know if you guys are a fan of In Bruges, but they did like an In Bruges, mm-hmm. uh, like really sweet limited edition. But in a power a powerhouse indicator does like really nice. Honestly, like as far as like the the physical like releases look packaging uh, booklets stuff like that I almost put it above criterion for or oh, so uh, uh, like se- like
0: second sight and indicator
1: no, for indicator,
0: indicator indicator yeah
1: yeah like the just like the standard releases are just really nice cuz something yeah. I haven't really liked from the criterion ones recently is like all the booklets inside seem to be like more like a pamphlet newspaper kind of thing that mm-hmm. opens up rather yeah. than the nice thick booklets booklet. yeah yeah and the indicator still does the booklets which is pretty nice
0: that's good Yeah, I guess Arrow does too. They still do booklets for the stuff that I've picked up, like especially when they do like the slipcase ones. Yeah.
2: Mm. So, anyways, I blew up your busting DVD. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, so uh, I busted it good, boys. Uh, So, anyways, you guys heard of the long goodbye? I think so. Chronological order from 1973. (laughs) This is a uh, Robert Altman from Gosford Park fame, Jer. Right. So uh, this has been recommended from a few people. Uh, This also has Elliot Gould's Sex Machine as the number one uh, star. Let me see some of my other takes here. Doggos, Cats, Hot Abs, Man Flesh. I don't know why I did that. Creeper Rex and uh, some Sam pics. So uh, I watched this long goodbye. Was Uh,
1: Was Man Flesh tied into the Arnold Schwarzenegger scene?
2: Oh, that's what it was yeah yeah that's not like a lord of the rings joke that's like when i actually see some hot man bod i uh, i'll take it as man flesh uh so uh i, I guess because they, they,
0: they all they all dress down in that scene too
2: well yeah. everyone has to get naked it's yeah. the only way you can apologize to their underwear yeah yeah well yeah and like i mean i have that kind of rule here in my normal life too if uh, i need to make an apology the only way you can do it is nude
1: before you smack a bottle over someone's face
2: sure oh, yeah <laughs> sure yeah pick up on cell street style almost so anyways long goodbye we got the gumshoe elliot gould he's uh you know he lives a pretty cool life he's got a little high-rise apartment kind of thing not a high-rise but it's lifted up he's got a little kitty he goes to extreme lengths to please his kitty which i appreciate immensely mm-hmm. uh His neighbors are some funkadelic hippie girls who do some yoga. They're always naked. Everyone's really interested in it. It's pretty fun. Uh, One night, his friend kind of happens upon him. He comes to his house, and he's just like, hey, man, can you give me a ride? And Elliot Gould's like, no problem. I'm Ross and Monica's dad. I'll do anything. I'll give you a ride. So he gives him a little ride, comes back home. And uh, then he's met by some policemen, and they want to know what he did. And he gets put in the slammer and then he gets released. And then he's met by some mob men and they want to know what he did. And everyone wants to know what he did for this guy. And he says, hey, listen, I just gave him a ride. Nothing even happened. And uh, he gets caught up into this world of mystery and intrigue, Jared. Wow. All these different people, all these things that happen. He meets the old guy from the Burbs. You remember Hen- the neighbor? Hen- yeah,
0: Henry Gibson.
2: Oh, yep. yeah. As soon as I saw him, I was like, The Birds, what a great movie. That's a Criterion, I'm sure. Uh, so uh, he meets that guy. You get an old drunk guy who uh, I liked quite a bit. Sterling Hayden. Sterling Hayden. He's there. He, I got a good screen cap that I think summarizes this episode quite a bit. Uh, so I'm going to put that out there later. Um, he gets mixed up with writers, with hot ladies. He's hot guys, hot abs. Arnold Schwarzenegger's there. He's got a mustache. He takes his uh, shirt off. Uh, you got this mob guy. He's busting bottles on ladies' heads. He's getting naked. He's doing a lot of crazy stuff. There's money involved. There's five thousand dollar bills, and there's Tijuana, Mexico. Jared, Tijuana. I always think of uh, that uh, episode of The Simpsons and Camp Krusty, where <laughs> everything's really bad, and he's like, "I'll make." And Krusty's like, "I'll make it up to you, kids. We'll go to the funnest place on earth." Tijuana. And I've always wanted to go since that. So, anyways, the long goodbye. Little uh how how would you describe this? Like a neo noir, or is it just like yeah. a crime thriller? It's a
0: neo noir. That's yeah. that would yeah. be the it was part of the reawakening of the genre. Yeah,
3: it's later. a very
1: meandering kind of movie. Yeah. Like, Shaggy dog. <laughs> yeah. It's basically kind of like how like I would say Big Lebowski tries to be be like a version of this, but obviously way more comedy. And then your, your guys' favorite inherent vice oh, would probably yeah. be in the same, in the same yeah. field. It's just essentially, well, it's Philip Marlowe. So it has kind of a lot of similar to like big sleep. Yeah. Um, but I've always just let like from the very first time I saw long goodbye, I think it's been my favorite Robert Altman. And then yeah. every single time that I've watched it, it's just kind of growing higher and higher, yeah. like among my favorite movies of all time.
2: Yeah. It's, it's great. Like, um, kind of like what you said where, the big chill type things like some of the just plain conversations that he has with people it's so good uh it's that whole first 10 minutes where he's trying to trick his cat into yeah. eating the other brand cat food like i i love that kind of stuff because it's like i i cater to my cats quite a bit uh to the point where like my wife might leave because i'm doing it too much but you know it's whatever it's uh it's kitties right guys I love how he's
1: always like muttering to himself and just cracking oh, yeah. wise to no mm-hmm. one in particular and just to himself. Yep.
2: yep. So uh, he he's wicked and um, like Elliot Gould's really good in it. I like the story. Uh, I like all the kind of twists and turns it takes, and then where it actually kind of concludes. I think it. I think it's perfect. It's like yeah, that's that's a great ending to this stuff. So uh, it's it's very good. I see why you guys all recommended it. Uh, it's a great show. What do you think, Chair?
0: Yeah, uh, well, when I rewatched this a uh, few months ago, I think it was like five months ago. Uh, yeah, I was like, I hadn't seen it for a few years, but it's one of those movies that, like, the first time I watched it, I was kind of like, I wasn't really uh, accustomed to the Robert Altman style, but I was really into uh, Raymond Chandler. Uh, mm-hmm. I, was, I was reading all of the Philip Marlowe books. And mm-hmm. so this is like the odd one, right? Because it's like, the, the idea of it is like, uh, what if, like, Philip Marlowe was, like, thrown into the 70s? And, like, how would he adapt to it? And it's, like, he just wind up looking like Elliot Gould and shuffling through and being, like, yeah, I guess so. And Mm -hmm. uh, so he feels very displaced, which kind of explains, like, the vibe of it. But, yeah, like, the first time you watch it, I don't know if you really get the story down. You have no idea what the plot is. It's kind of, like, it goes back and forth. And you're, like, because you pretty well know that this, like, from the first frames, like, you know that this guy killed his wife. And then the whole time it's, like, well, maybe he did it. But you kind of know he did And then finally He builds and builds and builds Like how mm-hmm. much of a piece of a shit His best buddy Terry is And then uh, Yeah And then like There's a Sterling hating thing Which has nothing to do with anything <laughs> But mm-hmm. it's like But it's great And it works so well um, It's a so Raymond
1: Chandler thing Because the big yeah. sleep Has that same thing Where nothing makes sense Really If you actually think about it yeah. It just keeps hopping All over the place But I love the big sleep too um, mm-hmm. And yeah the Same thing um, For Are you going to Incorporate yelling balls <laughs> all over for, into your vernacular there RJ? Uh, rj
2: i mean i already do stuff like that so uh it's pretty much the same thing right balls why not why not <laughs> why not yeah so it's uh long, long goodbye is awesome i oh i also really like um the use of the theme song that they made for this Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> and just the like is that where it came up originally? Was Were we talking about like songs that like continue and recur all throughout a movie or something like that? a lot
1: of it's like diegetic, right? Just playing like yep. at, the, yeah. at the supermarket or yeah. – and it's all just yep. different versions. There's like a blues version. There's like just different yep. song style versions of it. And there's like the, it, the one yeah. guy
0: who sings the one version. He like did like the Garfield music in the mm-hmm. 70s too. I can't remember the name of the singer. I think he actually just died not that long ago. But yeah, John Williams actually did the whole score, I guess, yeah. with him.
2: Yeah, and like you first get it, it's on the radio, and then you get it in the supermarket. A guy in a bar is playing it on piano. Elliot Gould is just singing it at one yeah. point. It's all yeah, it's awesome. So uh, very good stuff. Do you guys have anything to add?
1: One of my favorite movies of all time. It's honestly, if I had to like even think about making a list, it probably would be in my top ten favorite. Nice. It, it, I love the movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's very sure, good.
0: I'm pretty sure it's in my top one hundred. And. He... Yes. Maybe. Yes. Yes, it is. It's, it's and good and, stuff, and then you and you watch The Silent Partner
2: too Canadian thriller. Yeah, that's right. Here with uh Elliot Gould sex machine Christopher Plummer <laughs> sex machine uh wearing a fishnet tank top uh by the way and uh, even John Candy shows up for a little while. Uh so this one uh, a little different um this one's more uh, of like a straight thriller. Elliot Gould works at a bank. Uh, one day he sees kind of a crumpled up – he sees like an old bank note, like one of the deposit things, and someone wrote that they had a gun and to give him the money, but there was no bank robbery. So he's like, oh, man. He, he's a smart guy. He's like someone was going to rob the bank, but they didn't. So he kind of holds on to this. And then every day at the bank later he's watching people – he sees some suspicious guys A guy's coming in as Santa Claus every day and like, never really does anything and then leaves. And he uh, starts to get this plan, Jared. He's like, someone's going to rob this bank. And he's like, and I'm pretty sure it's going to happen soon. He's like, but I also would like money. And I know how the bank works. So he kind of sets up this plan where he's like, I'm going to start tucking away a little bit of money. And then when the bank robber comes, it'll look like he robbed the bank. So that's what happens. But, Jared, the bank robber has TV. And he sees that uh, more money was claimed to have been stolen than he actually received. And he's like, that son of a bitch, Monica Geller and Ross <laughs> Geller's dad, took that money from me. Uh, so he's like, he's his partner. And he go, Christopher Plummer goes to his house and he's like, hey, guess what, bud? Give me some of that money. Uh, and then a little cat and mouse happens, there. In between here... Christopher Palmer beats up a lot of women. <laughs> so uh, this is yep. a real Jarrett pick.
0: Beats up. Um, just just beats him up.
2: In like, one of the scenes, like she's in the sauna. He's just like beating her up, and then he just puts his foot on the girl's face, like into the wall, and it's kind of like a really prolonged scene, and you're just like, whoa. <laughs> whoa.
1: Seems like a theme for the day with the upcoming pick-up of the South Street uh, Oh, well.
0: yeah, totally. enough <laughs> women?
2: Yep. 100%. 100%. Real,
1: real RJ types.
2: 100 <laughs> percent character played for a podcast types. Uh, so he's beating up a lot of women. He's wearing a wow. uh, mesh. And it, that was even in good long goodbye. Yeah, the, the, yeah. There's the, a little
0: woman beating up. And, in that and it's terror. And it's terrifying in that movie yeah. too. Like it's like really like mm-hmm. whoa. Because the whole movie is this disarming quality, and then when the violence ramps up, oh.
1: Yeah, That's- it's and it's. Pretty much just out of left field like i don't know if you've ever seen asphalt jungle or no the big heat the big heat Uh, yes
0: yeah
2: yeah the lee marvin basically
1: with with the gloria graham yeah lee marvin just coffee to the face yeah basically the same thing but both times hits you pretty hard
2: yeah jared threw a drink on me once (laughs) intentionally so anyways uh silent partner so you get you get some pretty you get some really high level concepts not not concepts but schemes evil schemes, Jarrett. And I actually, I think the scheming is pretty well done in this. Like, I think his plan of what he kind of sets out is a pretty, it's a really good idea for just in general and for a movie, like a story. I was like, I was like, it makes sense to me, man. I like everything that they're doing here. Um, The one thing I don't like about this movie is there is a lot of ringing phones and I've mentioned before, I don't like in movies when phones are ringing and they're like, 10 decibels higher than any other audio in the movie because it like it bugs me and the phone rings a lot but that's fine elliot gould is great christopher Plummer is great you get him in a lot of different disguises uh it's a night it's it's a good little thriller like uh i don't think it goes the way you think it'll go for a few of the different scenes um there's there's a few different levels to it but uh, silent partner is also very nice so as the elliot gould trilogy that I was given, a uh, nice little way to round it out chronologically. Right, Jeff?
0: <laughs> that's right. The new math.
2: Yeah. So I don't know about you guys, but Silent Partner's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I like Silent Partner. It's uh, I like it a lot. It's the idea of it is basically when I first watched it, is kind of what I thought was just awesome about it. Like, oh, that's a pretty damn smart plan or just smart a plot to use Mm -hmm. on
3: there uh
1: i watched this i think way on dvd i don't know if you remember this dvd cover of it it just looks like a very generic like 2000s thriller Mm -hmm. like bank heist or whatever or the bank job (laughs) it looks like something like that would be like with with his name with uh jason statham Mm -hmm. it just looks like a jason statham cover or something but i remember hearing pretty good things about it watched it and just thought it was great and then didn't watch it again until recently when it finally got released on kino lorber yep and i think i i think i had it a Sitting at a five out of five initially, I brought it down a little bit, but it's I still love it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's I, I didn't know about the movie until a few years ago. Then, like at the time that that old DVD was out of print and like mm-hmm. going for like way too much money so i was like wow so i didn't manage to track it down watching i was like oh this is incredible this needs to be on blu-ray and like a year later kino lorber uh delivers so despite their uh, packaging blowing up they are still delivering uh putting some stuff out that you would not have otherwise expected to come out at this point this late in the game of the cycle of blu-ray now it's just mm-hmm. like i think the rights are so cheap probably for so much stuff that they're just like grabbing stuff left and right because the studios aren't putting anything out now so yeah, now they- you're. you're yeah.
1: And, yeah, and they release like what seems like ten things a month because they're just releasing stuff out of nowhere. Um, it, it, they're more like I guess quantity over quality, quality usually because yeah. there's a lot of <laughs> the garbage on there, but there's a lot of yeah. great stuff that you just yep. never expect to ever be released on Blu-ray.
0: Yeah, tons of westerns right. and stuff that I, I never thought was gonna that were ever going to come out, and then now they're coming out on Blu-ray. Um, like, uh, did you uh, ever uh, buy any of the Twilight Time stuff?
1: Oh, a little bit. I've yeah, ever yeah. I started buying a bunch of them because they were one of the early ons, just like, you know, releasing kind of hard to find stuff, but just at a huge price.
0: Not, yeah, so um, expensive and limited, limited yeah. numbers of them, which is absurd.
1: Yeah, so I kind of stopped. I bought probably a good 15 of them, I would say. Um, then I kind of stopped once I started realizing that indicator was releasing a lot of the same ones, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, these are, I like the look of the indicator ones better. I can probably buy these cheaper even if I'm importing them. Yeah. And I was like, so I was like, okay, and and they're not limited. Well, they're limited to an extent. Um, I, I, they they're the limited editions are supposedly limited, but they have them for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then if those get sold out, they still release them in without a booklet, essentially. Mm.
2: So it says their mission statement is to provide exquisite physical media that will not explode upon opening. Which, I mean, False is not the case, guys. Is not the case. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, I did it. I watched the Elliot Gould movies. They All three were actually, they were all great. I, uh, I enjoyed them all a lot. Good shows. Nice little uh, weekend I had. Good.
1: Thank you for finally coming through, RJ. I, well,
2: I... As you threat, as we talked about, you threatened this appearance two years ago, and then like a couple months ago, we was like, "Ooh, that's coming up," and then this is when this all began. I was like, "I'll wait." I was like, "I'll wait <laughs> until then," and you know, playfully just drop them. But anyways, that's what I watched. Uh, do you guys want to talk about movies at all, or what do you think, Jar? Uh, I'll I'll let Sam take it away. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he's he's our guest so uh
0: what do you, what sure. would you like what would you like to talk about i know you watched uh probably more movies than there is time yeah. in the day now yeah but, uh, any, hi- keep- any highlights
1: i'll try to keep it short i'll start with uh i, t- I watched terrace bulba
2: <laughs> did you seriously
1: i did <laughs> when's the la- okay when's nice. the last time you've seen terrace bulba
2: oh 20 years ago
1: Probably. Okay. It doesn't strike me as something you probably would enjoy now. There's plenty of stuff with horses.
2: Oh, <laughs> um, oh man. That's kind of a bummer.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know what really to say about it. Honestly, it's not a great movie. I just kind of like sat in front of it for two hours and just, nice. let, it, like, and just let it occur. A mm-hmm. um, few things like I, I just at one point just started counting, though I didn't actually count, but just noticing how many times Cossack was said. I don't know if that rings a bell at all. They, they, yeah. I, it has to be at least 100 times, like at least like you could I joked about it on letterbox. You could literally yeah. make like like the big lebowski the the short fucking mm-hmm. version of big lebowski with uh with Teres bulb how many times they like say Cossacks and Scalp scalplock the little scalp head thingy that they wear. Mm-hmm. um it's not a great movie it's it is I would still recommend just watching it just so you can finally see what you used to watch, but just know there's some mm-hmm. stuff in there. It's not terrible but you, I, I'd, I'd venture to yeah. guess that a horse might have died
2: i i appreciate you saying this to me because now i probably won't revisit it <laughs> but it will live on forever in my memory yeah so i'm glad that you took the hit on that one
1: yeah i don't have much else to say about that but i did watch it i think i put it at a two and a half out of five there on letterboxd
2: i'm proud of you bud you did it you watched <laughs> taras bulba now you can go around yelling it at your kids and they will not know what it is
1: actually that is something that i um because you always say Taras Bulba with a weird like cadence.
2: Tars Bulba. They never say that. <laughs> so what happened was my dad was watching this movie and he was upstairs and me and my brother were hanging out downstairs. And every 10, 15 minutes we'd hear like a creak in the floor or like an audible fart or something. And then it would just be followed up with Taris Bulba because he was saying it that way. So that's how I remember it. It's just ingrained in my brain that that's how my dad would say it, and okay. uh, so that's why this movie has this mong <laughs> thing. Because when I was like, I don't know, seven years old, I just from upstairs I heard Taurus Bulba. <laughs> but I'm that's I'm glad you watched real, it. That's really weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I was waiting for some character to say it at least in that same cadence. They say his name a lot, but it's usually just yeah. Taurus Bulba. Just just say the name as normal. <laughs> Um, the only other small note about that I was just kind of thought it was weird in the movie that um, Tony Curtis plays Yul Brynner's son
0: wow movie, okay
1: which uh, I even looked like, in my mind I thought Tony Curtis was older than Yul Brynner <laughs> um, I did see Yul Brynner is five years older but it just seems very okay. weird that he's playing the dad of, of Tony Curtis
2: to be fair though if anyone had could have a kid at five <laughs> it would probably be Yul Brynner right
1: yeah, yeah. I, I can yeah. see that.
2: Well, I'm, I'm glad you watched that. What else did you watch?
1: I watched uh, uh, Creep Pick, Mr. Majestic.
2: Yeah. Watermelons.
1: Yeah, it, it's great. It's just, uh, you know, Bronson doing what he does best, being a complacent person just trying to live his life until somebody fucks with him. Yep. And he takes care of business. He just wants to pick his melons and bang his his Mexican migrant broad. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, people, and he takes care of business and... About it, I, I remember because uh, it's based on an Elmer Leonard book, right? Or at least,
0: uh, at least oh. he released really sort wrote of the screenplay or something like that. Yeah, I think he actually wrote the screenplay, which is like one of my favorite things with these uh, Elmer Leonard movies. He always has these same type of like bad guys. Uh, Al Leterry plays um, the heavy in this, and Paul Koslow shows up too, who are like my, some of my favorite seventies uh, men. Al- Alfred Letieri, who's on yeah. the Godfather and the Getaway, and it's also which is also Elmer Leonard. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But like I just I love uh he's such a good brute and but he's like also very friendly. He's a friendly yeah. brute and except when he has to lay hands or whatever, put down <laughs> those fists. And then yeah, Paul Coslow is another one of those guys that uh there's a period of time where I'm watching all these uh uh Bronson movies and he, he pops up here and there in the in the 70s. Mm. He's in Freebie and the Bean. Uh <laughs> and look at that, The Laughing Policeman. Oh wow. Mm. Yeah, he's yeah. he is a, around.
1: Yeah, I think I only recognized him oh, – well, I'm sure I've, well, I've seen Freebie and the Bean, but I yeah. guess the only thing that rang the bell was The Godfather.
0: Oh, right. Oh, for um, the other guy. Sorry, I, I jumped oh, around. Right. There's two different – yeah, there's uh, Paul Coslow is like the one oh, like, bl- blonde hair guy. And then, yeah, uh, Al Like The only thing is – I've only seen three movies with him in it, and it's uh, Godfather, Getaway, and Mr. Majestic. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. And he he oh, pretty Coslo well plays guy.
2: the same guy. <laughs> Hey, Sam, did yeah. you see that scene in Mr. Majestic when he, like, uh, he full-on jackrabbits out of the back of that car, like, through the window? That's pretty cool, hey?
1: That is really cool. And then how he, uh, at the very end, just, like, the climax, where he, like, jumps through headfirst and shoots the guy, like, all in one middle motion. Oh, he's standing on the stairs. It's
2: great. He's, he's so cool. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people say I remind them of Charles Bronson. And I'm like, please.
1: You're more of a Mel Gibson type.
2: I, I I I actually have gotten that, but because they said it was because of my hairline, so I don't know how to uh, how to take that. But anyways, cool, Mister Majestic. Mister Majestic is a wick, wicked show. What else did you watch?
1: Okay, I'm trying to breeze through a couple more. Um, yep. um Latrec, which is yeah. another. Here, this one's a Jarrett pick, and yeah, it it is great. I think Jarrett gave a rare five star to this on Letterboxd. Four and a half, four and a half, oh, which is, is half? D-
0: damn close, damn close yeah. to five. Mm.
1: Yeah, and I, I gave it a four and a half as well. It's it's great. It's uh, yeah, like lot very underseen, uh French thriller. Um, plenty of well, Jarrett's ferret threat of rape, actual rape, I guess. Hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm which is a, I watched another movie that we'll probably talk about this after this would have the same tag um, <laughs> but yeah let track it's, it's great it's a very like uneasy like a unnerving thriller of like just basically just these guys try to um two guys they, they rape a woman on the countryside these french hunters mm-hmm. and then after the rest of the group like they're not on their side at all but because to protect themselves they kind of calmly discuss the situation and realize okay we have to take care of this we have to hunt this lady down. And it's just very disturbing how they all just agree, like pretty yeah. realistically seeming agree that this is in their best interest yeah. to do well, this.
0: Because they're all mm. kind of like in that, kind of like the bourgeois kind of like social class, or some of them are a little bit richer than the others. But they're like, well, if I, I go down, I'm going to bring you down with me. And they're like, well, OK, I see your point. And, yeah. but, and it's but it feels like almost like a. Um, a Melville kind of presentation too. Like it's very seriously shot. It's, it doesn't feel like an exploitation movie. Uh, and you're just like often like the, you know, that European woods, which are always kind of uh way more spooky than American woods for some reason. I don't know why that is. I feel that, but yeah. And mm-hmm. it, it just plays it out little bit by bit. And you're like, well, you're kind of hoping that the scroll gets away, but yeah. <laughs> it has this inevitability to it. That's like, yeah, it's a, it's like the, the kind of like better than most horror movie, not horror movies.
1: Yeah. Yeah, just the way it's handled. Like, I wouldn't call it a horror movie, but right. it's because it's because of but the, of the situation is horrifying. So it right. is a lot scarier than any horror movie
2: because exactly. of the implication. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds gross, but uh, <laughs> I'm glad you guys like it. Yeah, what? So. How do
1: you, if anyone out there can track it down? I would I would recommend doing so.
0: This would be a prime uh, release for Kino Lorber to blow up on.
1: Yeah, literally.
0: Yeah. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. Nice <laughs> nice. Um, and then two I won't talk about them too, too much at all Because then we'll go into Rape Squad
3: <laughs> Oh <man.
1: laughs> A little tease there But just two mm-hmm. movies I would just throw out recommendations At least to, to Jarrett I don't know if he's seen either one of them Um, re- Recently I watched Hell's a Poppin' I don't know if that's ever been on your ra- on your radar No I,
0: I just saw you five starred that bad boy And I was going to ask I, you about Hell's a Poppin'
1: <laughs> I, I love it I've, I, I've, This is the second time I've seen it Um, I remember I don't know how it came on my radar To begin with um, I think because I have – well, if you've seen like on my letterbox, a couple lists I've shared of like top 100 th- uh, movies from the 30s, movies yep. from the 40s. Uh, a couple years ago, I just like decided like, all right, let me go through 30s movies that I kind of want to see. Let me go through 40s movies that I want to see. And Hell's a Poppin' was on that list for the 40s, which I'm not sure why I put it on there to begin with, what kind of put it on my radar. But it, it is one of like the smartest and like just all over the place manic um, – it's a it's – a, hmm. If you like Marx Brothers, kind of stuff like that, but it essentially, it's, uh, I guess, a guy, um, Chick, um, Ollie and Olsen or Ollie and Johnson, I forgot what the duo's names are. Um, this is the only thing I've ever seen with them with it. They had, I guess, a Broadway played in Hell's a Poppin' and they were converting it to the stage. Or, sorry, to the, to the cinema. And, um, you know, because on the Marx Brothers, they always have, like, the musical numbers in there that they're obviously being mandated to put in there yeah. by the studio. And they do this, too, but they do it in a very meta way in the pretty much there's a lot of stuff that precedes like mystery science theater. Cause at one point they're like, the movie setup is they're pitching a movie. They're trying to convert uh, the play to a movie. So that's the a screenwriter to do it. So essentially they're making the movie within the movie. And at one point they sit down to watch the movie and they're, you can see their silhouettes in front of the, in front of the screen. So they're critiquing on it. Um, it's very Looney Tunes style. Like there's just gags being thrown out all over the place. Um, there are musical numbers in there, uh, but even in between the musical numbers they're kind of stepping over them by a title card will come up basically telling a boy named Stinky Miller in the theater to please go home cuz his mom wants him so that's like interrupting while well, people were singing in the back so they're just very just all right you want us to put a musical number in there here we're going to put in something to kind of like step on that and then i posted a link to there's a ridiculous dance number um in the, in the in the in the movie with uh it's uh, black characters, just um, pretty much they're all like the help that are uh, just doing. Then they start dancing while there's no white people around, and it's the most energetic, impressive. Like it's, I guess it's like a Lindy Hop, but it's just like okay. the most energetic and like impressive dance sequence I've seen in like in any movie, especially back then. And they're just throwing themselves all over the place. Like I made a joke that it's basically wrestling, like they are is like <laughs> almost like the, the, It's just wrestling reversals in dance form. Right, and it's it's amazing. It's just one of the most impressive, and it's weird to just have that kind of incorporated in there, but it's a very live action meta uh, Looney Tunes style wow. um, comedy. In 1941. From, yeah, I, I, if you can find <laughs> that, I would re- I recommend watching it. It's, okay. it's unlike any other like musical like comedy I've seen. It's not really a musical, but any comedy I've seen from that era, hmm. um, it's great. And then cool. another one I'd recommend out there for you. I don't know if you've seen Last Summer
0: last summer Uh, I watched this maybe
1: three weeks ago Um, yeah I watched this maybe three weeks ago but it's probably like 50 movies ago for me now right Um, it's directed by Frank Perry oh yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah. The Swimmer
1: yes so if you like The Swimmer and you like that vibe it's a coming of age like drama but it's pretty fucked up it's okay.
0: in place. yeah i do have this uh somewhere on a folder on the computer yes. i do believe mm-hmm. i haven't got around to it yet though because yeah i after re-watching the, the swimmer i was all like i gotta get in more into this frank perry that's when i watched like david and lisa but then i uh, yeah, then i stopped
1: <laughs> yeah i haven't seen david and lisa yet but i would recommend last summer for sure so just bumping that up um I'll jump now to Rape Squad, which I believe you ju- you watch as well, right, Jared?
0: Yes, I did. <laughs> or uh, well, I know it. I know it as Act of Vengeance from 1974, but uh, mm. it do- it does also go by the more lurid title on the letterbox poster of Rape Squad.
1: An RJ pick. I was
0: going
3: to say I was, say,
2: through, I was mo- most interested. in that. <laughs> right, Jared? Jared sent me a pretty alarming message the other day. He's he was like, "Whoa." Something's <laughs> happening. And I was like, what's happening here? And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What is this? So you guys are going to have to tell me about this alleged RJ pick. Well, well
0: you can take it away, Sam. I'll uh, I'll jump in and <laughs> feed uh, my thoughts on
1: it as well. Okay, for sure. So Active Vengeance, it, or Rape Squad, opens up basically with uh, – well, it doesn't necessarily open up, but one of the early scenes is um, it has a rapist in who's wearing sure. a – hockey mask and an orange jumpsuit preceding mm. all the Friday the 13th movies and what he likes to do is he likes to do his business while he makes the women uh, sing jingle bells yeah. to him and sure. um, so the, the movie itself is uh, like it's it's not as like I was just expecting like a very. It is grimy, don't get me wrong. Oh, but yeah. It's not, but it's not. i expecting like a very more low budget like looking movie than I than what I what we got, and the tonal pretty much it just shifts from like dramatic like women empowerment to literally sleazy oh. rapes being portrayed. It's very all over the place. There's kung fu elements. There's black exploitation elements. It's just all over the place. Um, it doesn't sound like a fun movie, but I did have some fun with it. Um I gave it a 4 stars. <laughs> it's, it's 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 not an RJ pick. <laughs> Interesting?
0: Yeah, well, the the part of it that would be RJ Ian uh, is it has some amazing quotes. Like there's this oh, like yes. the, Yeah, there's like lines in this thing where you're like holy fuck. Down. Yeah, the the ones like that jump out to me like when it really took this turn was uh when they start uh, putting out, like, kind of flyers on car windshields to, like, get other women to join their rape squad, their, like, take back the night group. And there's these two dudes, these two, like, 50-year-old men who are sitting in the back of a van eating lunch. And they like, they start making comments and uh, talking about, well, hey, rip's not so bad, and uh, it's just like all this, sh- like the shit that you can imagine these types of guys would say, and then like then they start feeling really bad when she says, well, I was raped. Whoa, well, hey, honey, we're just being funny, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, their their shit was uh, pretty uh, pretty f- pretty exploitation rific. Um, yes, yeah, so, like the movie opens up with this woman. She's just, about, oh, hey, I'll meet you later, boyfriend. Uh, later. after when I go into town or something like that, and as she's getting ready, the assailant, the uh, the lead rapist, he uh, he appears, and we get this, like, prolonged scene of him, like, toying with her and chasing her around, making her, like, say she's begging for it, and it's fucked up, like, because it goes on for quite a while, but when they actually get to the, uh, the actual act, they kind of do it in this, like, kind of TV movie kind of presentation, because the movie has this, like, melodrama feel to it, where it's, like, because after that part, it's, like, her bruised and teary mascara and stuff like that going to the police station and then it turns out that like all men are horrible all of them the police detectives are horrible her boyfriend is horrendous like he's just an mm-hmm. awful man and he's just constantly just like every cliche in the book of asking for it just comes out of his mouth so like, yeah well how do I know you weren't just messing around uh, you were saying you have some of the quotes uh, yeah, I'm the, sure the, some...
1: the, yeah the two guys that you're talking about yeah one of them said because like, he, he reads the flyer he says stop rape that's my favorite sport yeah <laughs> And then the other guy, I said, a little rape more, a little rape once in a while should make it make life more enjoyable.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's the that's the type of movie we're looking at here, folks.
2: Uh, it's. I find the fact that, <laughs> sorry, keep going. Oh,
1: and then for for, for RJ, like while they're in the PlayStation, they're talking about there's no evidence of sperm. Well, maybe he came, maybe he didn't come. Ooh. Who knows? There's no evidence of sperm. <laughs> And then when she overhears somebody in the police station telling her, or I guess they're oh, talking fuck. amongst themselves and saying, laying back and like, she just hears like laying back and enjoying it. And then she, she she basically tells them like, I hope somebody sodomizes you and your big fat ass. Um,
0: hmm. Yeah, I believe something interesting. Three hundred pound f word. Oh your yes. Fat ass. Yes. Yeah. Yes, this movie's yes, got yes. some some drops. It's got some audio drops uh, for someone. Yeah. This is a movie that. Uh, uh Sam and I talked really quickly on the weekend to test stuff out. And uh there was this review show I watched years ago called the Cinema Snob. And like what he would do is he would watch these types of movies like uh, you know, uh Caligula and your rape squads and uh the E.T. porno and the Beavis and Butthead porno and kind of address them as a critic would. Uh and this was the first time I'd ever heard of this. Um and that that's all I remember is the jumpsuit and the hockey mask. But there's some like really weird scenes in this movie too with um like when they bring in all the victims, because apparently this is like now woman number five, the one that we see at the beginning, who's been attacked. And they have a scene where like, okay, we're going to bring in like a suspect into the the cage so you can like, I make witness, like eyewitness him like in front of the thing. And this guy just comes walking in in the hockey mask and they were jumpsuit and has to read the lines out. And then they're like, when he starts talking she's like that's not him but of course it's terrorizing the woman like all the women are being terrorized by seeing this guy who looks it doesn't matter if he's missing the mouth hole of the goalie mask he just looks like a fucking murderer and then they're like okay let him out and then they bring in five more <laughs> it's like what the fuck is this like it's like well, what good police work this is
1: <laughs> and it's basically supposedly just like just to show them this is how tough it is to find them like it's impossible possible. <laughs>
0: and they keep being told cuz now they want to get revenge. And so there's a scene where they go to a bar and uh the one girl she's like wearing a real nice blue dress and we have these two guys who are just like over at the bar and they're like wow great great bags on that one and I was just like Jesus Christ this movie and then of course he's begins to seduce her he's just loaded and he's just like yeah let's go back to my place I made movies I can we can have a drink and so she goes back with him because the whole setup is that like we're, this is like a practice run because maybe this is the rapist and uh but it's not he's just a typical rapist um which is like a theme from uh is it Police Connection uh, the one Code Red movie. Oh it's like, yes, it's like that, that movie was coming to mind quite a bit here. Uh, and like these women just like barge in because they meet a karate instructor and they just beat the shit out of this guy. They pour blue dye on his dick, so it's like if you do this again, we'll be able to identify you. And if and if you do it again, we'll 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 do more to you than what we did now. And. And then it climaxes to this, like, kind of a flat ending where... A little bit. like, like So, spoilers for the people who uh, are going to be checking out Rape Squad here. Um, they just, like, one of them just bashes his head in with a shovel. And then mm-hmm. they they flip mm. the body over. He looks a little roughed up. And then the camera pans out. And then the credits roll. And that's it. There's yep. like no big payoff. There's no like you know castration or being like maimed by all five. No, it's like all five women have a hard time even going toe to toe with him because he keeps out like tr- tricking them. And then there's this like ongoing thing where like I'm not sure if he's like talking to a microphone. He's like inner thoughts, like Norma D- McDonald and Dirty Work. And then they. Uh, but then other times, then he's just, like, in his, like, apartment, and he's just like, huh, well, uh, because he kills one of them, he strangles her, well, man, I feel really bad about that, well, I better go find another victim, take my mind off of things.
1: Yeah. I always felt that they were kind of pl- uh, trying to conceal it to, like, make, make it seem like it was the boyfriend, <laughs> so I don't know if that, then they kind of, like, That's where, like,
0: yeah, but it's, like, very clear, it's, like, that's not the same guy. He's yeah. not the same hair at all, but, like, I think, like, are we supposed to think that? Yeah. yeah. It's very strange.
1: Any of this sounding enticing to you, RJ?
2: Well, I was going to say, I find it interesting that uh, Sam take this as an RJ pick. But then Jared, before reading quotes, said, this is some real RJ quote kind of stuff here. (laughs) And then we get into, you know, rape things and, you know, giant cans and blue dresses. And I mean, I talk about a blue dress as much as the next guy. But I think I'm good. You're fine? Yeah, I think I'm pretty good. Uh, you guys ever seen like um, Varsity Blues, that football movie? <laughs> that's a bit more my speed. So anyways, anyways, sounds like you guys had fun. That's cool. Uh, yes, fun, <laughs> fun, fun, fun. Uh,
0: um, I think that's good for now, though.
2: Uh, RJ, do you have any news for us? Uh, Just one real small thing that I thought was really funny. Uh, There was a David Lynch thing floating around yesterday where someone – he was interviewed and someone was like, "Uh, have you seen the new stills from the new Dune movie? And he was like, I have zero interest in Dune. And they're (laughs) like, oh, really? And he's like, that's it. And he just wouldn't continue. And I was like, that's awesome because I also have zero interest in Dune. Oh. (laughs) Denis Villeneuve. Oh. oh. Uh, anyways, I I just thought that was funny. What about you, Sam? You got any, like, killer news over there?
1: I got none. I do, actually, I do
2: like Denis Villeneuve as much as you guys don't. (laughs) I, I we, I I like him sometimes.
0: (laughs) Well, see, RJ, I thought your news item was going to be, uh, from, was it Esquire from two days ago? Who is the gimp in Pulp Fiction? Quentin Tarantino explains (laughs) character's backstory.
2: I sent uh, Jared a screen cap of that. I, the news outlets are getting pretty, uh, pretty desperate. Yeah, well, Pre- yeah. Well, there's, there's
0: no box office anymore. Now it's like Mm-mm. finding those weird, like listening to old podcasts and be, hey, remember when this guy said this
2: once. <laughs> i had a thing pop up on like my recommended news feed and it was like because uh, i've talked about gilmore girls before that's a show i watch with Andrea, and uh it was like everything we know about alexis bladel's private life and i was like what i was like like i know that's like what those things are anyways those like lamp sites but it's weird
1: it's weird. Even, even tarantino himself is like getting bored and just he's reviewing movies now i guess or like oh. old old like 70s 60s movies i don't know if it's something he's already been doing but on his like new because he has like the new beverly theater like yeah. here in la and on the new beverly website he's been just put it's called just tarantino reviews and mm. i guess he's just reviewing movies like old like i watched uh, soul brothers of kung fu not recent, not pretty recently because i guess it's one of the ones he reviewed but he's just been posting movie reviews he's getting bored and appearing on podcasts, it seems too.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, I just saw uh, someone on Letterboxd just logged this, and I just I see that you have not logged it yourself, Sam. But have you seen the Seven Ups?
1: I have not. That's actually on my like immediate because I have nice. like my big watch list, and it's on oh. my watch list to watch within the next like month or so. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. That's a that's a good one. You okay. Definitely mm-hmm. Get get to it. All right. <sighs> We've got a movie to talk about. What? <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. Um, after the break, um, something about microfilm and uh, ties or something. I need to get something to drink. <laughs> got a dumb lady. I love her so. Nothing else like her, any where you go. A man, she's anything but calm. E bright lights of Broadway through the subway undergrounds to the gutters
3: of South Street, they followed this woman, the bee girl who became a sitting duck to track down her man with a caress, a kiss, and a promise, as the whole underworld joins in a scorching counterblast against the spy menace in
1: Pick Up on South Street, starring Richard Whitmark as Skip, the pickpocket who got his fingers into everything. <laughs>
3: Jean Peters as Candy, the B-girl, who could be so sweet for the right information. Thelma Ritter as Moe, the stoolie. Even in
0: her business, she drew the line somewhere. That film you stole had government information on it. That girl was carrying TNT, and it's gonna blow up right in your face.
2: How many times
3: you've been caught with your hand where it doesn't belong? Why the pitch? I kissed a lot of guys, but honest, Skip, I never felt like this. Where does he live? <laughs>
0: And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Pick Up on South Street from 1953, directed by Samuel Fuller, and tonight we're joined by Patreon Creep host, co-host, Sam Sanchez. Thanks, Sam. And the tagline for this film, gentlemen, how the law took a chance on a bee girl and won. What? (laughs) What?
1: Is that really the tagline?
0: Yeah, I didn't on a B girl. I I did not read this beforehand, and I'm confused now. I, is it because uh, uh, she's like a B actress, uh, Jean but Peters? But even Jean
1: Peters, she's not at like, this even time? one of the more popular <laughs> like B actresses that I would even have heard of. That that's what this,
0: that's what they sold it for on, I guess, in 1953, I suppose. But man, she yeah, yeah like she's not really. I guess she doesn't have much of a run beyond this either.
1: Like, the biggest thing would have been, like,
2: Niagara, which came out the same year. Yeah, exactly. Wait, is the tagline talking about the actress specifically or the character in the movie? I th- I mean, I to
0: me, that references the actor in the thing.
1: If they're talking about Thelma Ritter, then I
2: agree. <laughs> <laughs> I love Thelma Ritter. It's like the horse's mouth. Smart Alec, all Guinness. Exactly. You're like, you're like, what? What does that mean? Oh, it's that, funny. Th-
0: that means nothing. Well, it's funny you mention that, RJ. We'll, we'll get to that, though, at the end.
2: Okay.
0: In New York City, an insolent pickpocket, Skip McCoy, mm. inadvertently sets off a chain of events when he targets ex-prostitute Candy and steals her wallet. unaware that she has been making deliveries of highly classified information to the communists, Candy, who has been trailed by FBI agents for months in hopes of nabbing the spy ringleader, is sent by her ex-boyfriend, joey to find skip and retrieve the valuable microfilm he now holds so uh this is a movie that i watched for the first time about three years ago in what i dubbed jan noir airy uh which is uh my excuse to just blast through you know the hundreds and hundreds of film noirs that were made in the 40s and 50s because there's a whole lot of them and uh i mean there's like the obvious ones that everybody knows about but there's so many and there's like always going to be like varying degrees of quality uh amongst these films but there's usually something worthwhile uh great character actors abound uh interesting plots great cinematography all those sorts of things so in january i try to go through and Make, make a point of doing it Didn't do a very good job This year But Three years ago I was uh, hot on Doing that And I, fu- I, wa- I made a point Of even watching Pickup on South Street Which I knew That I'd inevitably Be watching For this podcast Just because I, I heard mm. it was One of the best And uh, Well we'll get there mm-hmm. So um, Maybe not Maybe I'll just say it I think this is A great movie um, <laughs> I think this is Actually one of Sam Fuller's Better movies uh, On the whole That I've seen uh uh-huh um but uh yeah so re-watching this movie I was actually struck by how really well made this movie was um mm-hmm. but actually you know what maybe I should throw it to you two uh have either of you seen this movie before this week RJ uh, no
2: <laughs> as as per usual <laughs> that's that's why I'm here right so no what about you Sam
1: so, yeah, I have. Um, so,
2: obviously, I picked
1: to be on this show. It, it is This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Similar to Long Goodbye, Pick Up on South Street might actually be in my top 10 as well. Easily top 100. And mm-hmm. plugging the list I have on Letterboxd, but I have, like, my top 100 film noir of, like, the classic era. Yeah. And Pick Up on South Street is my favorite film noir. Um, I've seen it probably, like, the very, for the very first time um, was probably back, yeah, when I was first getting into Criterion. It was probably one of the first that I went into that wasn't horror, and oh wow, um, it's just a very lightning fast eighty-minute movie. Oh. And I remember, I, I remember liking <laughs> it at the time. Um, I think I know it's not popular with you guys, but I think I watched this along with Shot Corridor.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I think initially Ooh. I liked Shot Corridor more, but each time I've watched Pick Up on the Disaster, it just keeps growing and growing. Um, I'm not a big, if you guys you can tell in my letterbox. I don't rewatch a ton of movies. Mm-hmm. As much as much as like probably like an average person does. Um, with this watch that I watched on I think on Sunday, it's probably the fifth time I've watched it in the letterboxed era, which is a lot for me. That, yeah. And then and I probably watched it maybe three times prior. So I haven't watched it like you know, there's people who watch their favorite movies hundreds of times or so. So eight is probably like eighty for an average person for me. it's, um,
0: it's pretty good. It's a pretty yeah. that's mm-hmm. a that's a high number these days. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and each time I watch it, I just find more things here that I like. And it's like an 80-minute movie that feels like a 40-minute movie. I,
0: I I can't like even like express how uh, excited and relieved I was when I went to see, okay, what's the runtime on Pickup on South Street on the weekend? I went, oh, 80 minutes? <laughs> like, oh, mm-hmm. everything we watch, it's always two hours. It's always <laughs> two hours. Why can't it be like this? I, like Just purely on that, I was like, mm, so pleased, mm-hmm. so happy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and the movie itself, it's not one of the ones that like when you think of film noir, it's still even it, when I think of like just quintessential film noir, it's not the one that comes to mind first. Sure. Like Big Sleep, The Big Heat, Asphalt Jungle, uh, those type of movies, like Double Indemnity, those come first as far as like when you think of film noir, you think those. But as far as something within that era, it's Pick Up on South Street's my favorite. Nice. Yeah,
0: nice. Yeah, um, yeah, I've I've had problems like trying to figure out what my like top – noir movies would be. Like, I always go through, because, I don't know, I feel like I'm maybe too picky on these things. But, like, usually for me, mm-hmm. um, if people check out Letterboxd, um usually, like, Four Stars is a really good movie. Like, but it's mm-hmm. just, like, it, that kind of difference between a that that four to a five is just totally pure preference and, like, checking a ridiculous amount of boxes that just speak specifically to me. But Four Stars is, like, beyond, like, it's like, that. this is, like, an excellent example of this genre. And I think this movie... It has, Doesn't really miss a beat, and I think it does so much really, really well. Um, but I guess like delving into what this movie's about beyond the the letterbox synopsis. So this movie opens up. It's like this like uh, something that doesn't exist now in the uh, COVID era, where it's like jammed packed uh, subway train cars, uh, where people are like, touching, like t- holding hands almost as they're holding on to the uh, the little tassels on the hold, whatever it is, on the bars above. And uh, we have these close ups of these characters. And it's like, I don't know what it is, what, how he frames the stuff so well. But but you get, like, sucked into the story immediately. And, like, I don't know. I watch a lot of different movies, and it never works. But this, like, I was totally engaged. And, like, you're kind of brought into this mystery because you have no idea what any of these characters want. They're just kind of, like, exchanging glances. And you kind of tell, like... um that. Candy, like, we have no idea what her story is. What is she doing on this train? Other than she's she be going to work, going to meet somebody. You have no clue. Um, And then up comes big old sexy Richard Widmark with his newspaper. What, <laughs> and, what did uh, you say? Sexy
1: big old okay. <laughs> Richard Widmark. You don't, you don't love his facial bone structure there, RJ?
2: I mean, he's got good symmetry. Don't get me <laughs> wrong. He's but rip- I just wanted him to repeat that. Okay. That's fine no. I, I, mm-hmm.
0: I'm, I'm fine I'm fine with that so, Sure you're fine <laughs> Good um, Anyway So he rolls up on her And we, we get like This explicit Like I don't know It's like This is some uh, Sexual tension This is, feels very oh, yeah. risque This man Slides his fingers Into her purse And he yeah. pr- Pries it open And he slides in And there's these shots Of their eyes And her like Looking up at him I don't know if you guys have had uh, anyone look at you the way that uh, she looks at Skip in that scene, but kind of uh, hard
1: just looking at me throughout the throughout this, <laughs> huh? But <laughs> touching on on that actually, it's probably not a great like. I would say as far as like if him being a pickpocket like you probably right. shouldn't be mm-hmm. making that much eye contact but I guess it does the job as far as like the sexual tension goes. Yeah. But yep. it, it probably wasn't a very effective move for him to do as being a pickpocket. Yeah. I
0: mean, I'd have to I, I I'll consult with my uh, Robert Bresson and see how uh, they pickpocketed, I guess. But yeah, I would mm-hmm. agree that maybe it's not the best technique.
2: Mhm. Yeah, and she also like she does that thing she kind of sticks her tongue out a little bit. <laughs> Just, like, a little bit, though. Just And people get really close in this. Like, later on, that he's reading the paper, and it's touching the other guy's face. And you're kind of like, is that not too close? Man. <laughs> Anyways, continue so, on talking about pick up on cell So
0: So Skip, he snatches that uh, whatever it is, the little purse. He doesn't even know what mm-hmm. it is, but he thinks he's got a nice little score. And he vambushes all out of there. And, of course, it's the, the cops are like, damn. That was the guy, but they don't know what's going on. Skip doesn't know what's going on. And so things kind of get set in motion. We get the layout where uh, Candy was supposed to be involved in a handoff to something that she didn't understand for her, her boyfriend, Joey, this, (laughs) this piece of shit. Oh man. What a, what a, like, you wonder, like, what does he do for a living? Like, what is his job?
1: He's such a coward, and then when he finally becomes not to, he decides not to become a coward, he just becomes more of a bigger piece of shit.
2: Yeah. <laughs> My biggest problem was that his name was Joey. When you got <laughs> names like Skip, Dodge, Nails, Mo, Brewster, Mo, <laughs> Tony Phil, you got all these cool names, and then you got this guy just named Joey, and you're like, <laughs> "What is this? Friends? Elliot Gould's not in here as the dad of Monica and Ross. What's going on? <laughs> what is it, Jared?" I Come don't on. I don't know. But no. uh, so, yeah, huh. that's
0: th- so that's that a little bit of a tease. And then things start kind of uh, playing out as uh, the police are trying to identify who this pickpocket is, this person. Because we don't know what his is actually stolen, but it's obviously not money. It's more valuable than money. Um, and things just kind of play. We introduce these wonderful uh, characters uh, like Mo. Oh, uh, uh, yes. Who uh, <laughs> is, is, sells ties. And, uh, but she also deals with information. Uh, we get a great exchange of uh, paying off an informant uh, about the cost of living going up. And, uh, yeah, so eventually we get led to Skip, who lives on the docks. He lives in this, like, little, not a boathouse, but like at the end of the pier, uh, this little obscure place. He keeps his beers in this uh, wood box that he keeps on a rope. Uh, he's just that <laughs> kind of guy. He's a three time loser. One more pinch, and he, it's for life for him. Is the implication, I guess, but mm-hmm. he's, but he's seen it all. He's uh he's dealt with all these cops doing their uh, tough guy acts and muscling him. He's not taking anything that they say, saying, "Oh, we saw you do it. Oh, <laughs> sure, you did." Um, <laughs> but like it, it keeps escalating. So first the cops come at him, he blows him off, and then Candy comes at him, he blows her off too, but not before uh, knocking her out a little bit. You know, what do you mean? I don't know. He punches her out. <laughs> But he doesn't realize that it's a lady, I think. I think that's kind of because it's dark. He just socks her he, one. And then when he realizes it,
2: he uh, checks her out. And then he like starts giving her a kick to the foot. Hey, <laughs> get up. Do you think it would have changed things if he did know? Because after he hits her, he checks out her purse anyways, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, he still would have knocked her out if yeah. he knew it was
0: a lady. I can't remember if at this point uh, I've already I missed think. the beat where uh, Candy goes and meets that that guy at the Chinese food restaurant.
1: Lightning Louie.
0: Lightning Louie. <laughs> Fuck that! Uh, like I, I, that, for whatever reason, like I totally forgot about that. I, I forgot about that. But then as soon as that scene popped up again, I'm like, oh shit, yeah! This is what I love about noir is scenes like this because this guy, like, because you know he's disreputable because he eats Chinese food. That's it. Like, it's all shorthand. Mm -hmm. But he likes eating too much of it because he's fat and he's a bad guy. Like, it's all Mm -hmm. shorthand. And you're like, man, I want to see this movie. Like, that's all I want my movies to be is populated with these types of people. But presented in a way where it's not like that John Wick stylization where everybody's got some sort of big, massive story. It's like, no, some guys just, like, sit around and eat Chinese food all day and, like, constantly, like, order more soup i love
1: his character work too just like i don't know if it was his idea or samuel fuller just like picking up the food with the time the money with the chopsticks just putting him in his pocket with it yeah. it's just great
3: yeah. and then
1: like the whole little uh, what's my name uptown downtown or like with his <laughs> downtown name it's just so much like crammed into that guy that you have just more questions and it's just a great character
2: yeah can we talk about the implications of picking up physical paper money with chopsticks that then go into your mouth i know we're living in a post-corona world but even so <laughs> it's not good right you guys wouldn't put money in your mouth would you I- i'm pretty bad with chopsticks so i doubt i would even be able to do that <laughs> myself <laughs> mm. i mean it's cool it looks fun but uh, i had serious serious problems with it because Did- i was like this guy i mean, i know he's not worried about germs especially Le- 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 lou is
0: not worried about his health
2: He's not worried uh but i mean i do like i mean if i could be the guy who's just eating food and he's going bleh, bleh, <laughs> just burping out like single words at a time and getting paid for it why not why not why right not you're...
0: i'm trying to find uh
2: lightning louis the actor but i'm not i'm coming actor. up where is he i just called him noodle guy mm-hmm. i didn't read did they actually call him lightning louis in the movie or is that his yeah credit?
1: um She's she's looking for Lightning Louie. He I guess initially uh, doesn't tell her that he's Lightning Louie. and then he pays her mm. to find out who it is. And he says, "I'm Lightning Louie. Then he confirms with the waiter.
2: Gotcha. To, to say well, his I, name. Gotcha. I, I must have just missed his name. One one downside. Uh, I usually watch these movies with the subtitles just for the screenshot memeability of these, because on the Instagram I put a lot of the scenes from it, but I couldn't get the subtitles for this movie uh, on my. Legal physical copy. I couldn't have the subtitles, so I was a little bummed out. And then uh, I I miss things sometimes. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, guys?
0: I, I feel Missed yeah. Things. I'm feeling yeah. Yeah,
2: Jared Jared knows what I mean. So,
1: I always watch movies with subtitles.
0: Always. Uh, I uh, <laughs> yeah I, nice. Oh, so okay. I just looked this up. So B girl is a it's a slang for a woman employee to talk to customers in a bar and encourage them to buy drinks. A hostess. <clears>
3: hmm. <throat>
0: So I, I the law a took a the law took a chance on her and won. But it's like uh, that's is that the emphasis that the tagline would go with? It's just again, baffling, baffling to yeah. me.
2: I think the cops are secondary to the story.
0: Yeah, it's it's a real uh it's a tale about uh nationalism and, and and capitalism and and the almighty buck, but not always because sometimes the almighty buck doesn't mean anything when in the face of the greatest threat of all, collectivism, Love? <laughs> <laughs> because Dagnabbit, it's those communists. So, like, I found it interesting. So, this is nineteen fifty-three when it's released, and it came out in June. And at, right at this exact time, I do believe the Rosenbergs are being either executed for uh, also kind of se- selling uh, state secrets uh, for espionage. Let's see here. I was thinking, yeah, they they are hung like right when this movie came out, and I couldn't like help it. Like, good think about, press. Like, Good press. I, I mean, but it's uh, the the Wikipedia, which is usually this great beacon of truth and information, mm-hmm. doesn't mention mm-hmm. that connection at all. It has nothing to do with anything. They just happen to make this movie about Russian spy networks and stealing plans for something, which mm-hmm. is actually very um, uh, "kiss me deadly" ish. Because you never really know what the microfiche is. It's just like it's it's information that uh, America does not want the communist to have
1: yeah it's basically just a mcguffin
2: exactly and i assume sorry go, go ahead
1: oh they just I was going to say that the, the way they handle it too it's the they handle it the, the like the whole communist thing the way they handle it is very like the government or the not the government the censors even thought it was it was being pro-communist just because <laughs> the, the way the, the way the characters were like richard windpark did not care at all right <laughs> like, like he could care less and even was basically accused like are you waving the flag at me like essentially just <laughs> And then Samuel Fuller had to basically say, "No, that's just his character. Like he's not, you know, the movie itself isn't pro, isn't pro communism. And even like Thelma Ritter, like she just knows she hates communism, like uh, communists, but she doesn't know why. She just knows she <laughs> mm-hmm. hates them.
2: Yeah, they're no good. Yeah. <laughs> see, it seems like I see a lot of that in the news right now, especially uh, south of the border. Hey, Jarrett. Yeah. Where where Sam Sanchez lives, there's a, a lot of threat of communism coming up from America these days, and. uh I don't know who to trust. Let me tell you. Uh, So speaking
0: of Wikipedia, I don't know if uh, either of you saw this little nugget of trivia. Um, We're talking about like the casting of Gene Peters, but uh, apparently with only a week to go before the film started production, Sam Fuller saw Gene Peters walk into the studio's commissary, commissary while having lunch. Fuller noticed Peters walked with a slightly bow leg style
2: that many prostitutes also had. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. <laughs> what do they? What does he mean? Many prostitutes were walking bow well, wagons I've that. seen my share, and I've never seen a bow Wagon one. Well, I guess
0: Gene Peters had that walk. That he's like, yeah, she can, she can. Like, like, I, I was like reading that.
2: And I'm like, huh? Okay. I'm, I've seen a lot of pigeon-toed ones, but like that's a different story okay. altogether, right, Jer? And, and webbed feet. Well, it's hard to tell from the from their. Well, not their tr- gates, well maybe but. during the summer. Um, I mean, it depends where they are. Like, are they closer to Wisconsin? Then probably, yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. Keep I don't. Going. I don't know. Uh.
0: Anyways, um, uh-huh. I'll, I'll hand it off to you, gents. I I think this movie is like pretty terrific. Um uh, like the the some of the artisanal film craft is uh fully on Ooh. deploy here. Some great editing. Um. Mm-hmm at times, you know, obviously it's also still a movie from 1953, the way that they mm-hmm. would shoot this now would have that far more of but I found that, uh. Uh, yeah, I know. Right. It's disgusting, <laughs> horrible, but, uh, uh. but, um, like, but, but the storytelling in here is like, like really great. And, uh, again, w- w- I mean, maybe, uh, Sam will talk about the use of light and dark, uh, which is a hallmark of noir. Uh, I found it really great. Like the claustrophobia of, uh, Of uh, Joey hiding out in the uh, dumb elevator. Mm-hmm. And like kind of the up-down relationship, yeah. like that. I thought that was like really uh, that was some great stuff. And uh, later on, uh, we also have to go along with light and dark. We also have just good old brutality, <laughs> Un- like surprising brutality, like man sliding face down downstairs, yeah. um, or like yeah, when Joey uh, goes to town on Candy in the uh, in the hotel That's room. That's Brutal. <laughs> oh, that yeah. scene
1: is pretty brutal. Like she she's a trooper for for getting put, yeah. clearly being put through all that.
0: Yeah, he's tossing around. Apparently, like they had to re-edit that and like. Re- shoot it a little bit too from uh something i read um but yeah i mean it still comes off as a pretty pretty violent but uh what did you two chaps think of this experience and rj i know
2: you haven't watched this movie at all but i don't know if you want to let sam go at it first i was going to let sam go at it i would just say like sam when you're not around that scene when he comes into her apartment that's usually what happens between me and jared um
1: when you're not a, stay, having to stay six feet away,
2: when we're not six meters oh, away. Six meters, yeah. Six meters. You gotta specify because, like, you gotta you gotta stay away from this guy. He's a bad dude. And so eighteen uh, feet
0: he, might not be enough.
2: Eighteen feet's probably not even enough. But uh, yeah, I just want to say that. But I would love to hear what uh, Sam has to say about this because uh, it's been a long time coming. So what's up with pick up on South Street, Sam? Because I didn't even watch the movie, so you're gonna have to tell <laughs> me. No, I, I just I. Love pretty much everything about
1: the movie. Uh, like Thelma Ritter as Mo, she's just mm. one of my favorite like all-time characters. Like she's so endearing. Like everything about her, just like her. She's basically just selling ties, selling information, just to buy herself a grave plot like in a better like mm. uh, cemetery, just because so she doesn't want to get buried at Potter's Field. Yeah. Um What did she even say? Like uh, it would just about kill me if I if she had to be buried there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then just her final scene too, like where like where uh, Joey comes in and basically what shoots her face off is what, what did they say she shot her face off is what they say later that yeah um and that scene is mm-hmm. i don't know it, it actually does hit me that that <laughs> I mean, zoom than, like, that,
0: that whole zoom in on her as she's delivering her delivering that monologue yeah
1: and i i love just like the feeling how like everyone like they like you know she's basically um ratting everybody out like just giving information but everyone just understands she just she needs to live everyone needs to eat um basically like skip mccoy uh fine richard he finds a tie in her purse he puts two and two together oh he got the information from yeah. mo he's like oh well she's got a he's he's not he's not gonna hold it against her like even when they meet up later at the bar um mm-hmm. just like so many scenes that i love in this movie The like i said like the movie itself it's short just very fast paced to me like every single time i watch it it's just very quick to watch um with um Skip McCoy. I, I just love Richard Woodmark in this as well. Um, it's probably my favorite role of his. Um, I don't know if you've seen like *Kiss of Death*. He plays a completely different character. He does a really good job, like in movies, like playing different characters. For the most part, he's very often not a great guy, but just different. Yeah. But just like I think I watched um, *Hell in High Water* recently by with Fuller. Uh, it's like a submarine movie with oh, Richard yeah. Woodmark Oh yeah. Well. Yeah, you,
0: yeah. You kind of went on a uh, Fuller kick a little bit.
1: Yeah, I was just watching, because I, I went on a fuller kick maybe like three or four years ago, and I was just kind of w- w- filling in like the gaps yeah. that I didn't finish that time. Um, but yeah, Widmark and pretty much everything I've seen him mean, in, I love him. This might be my favorite character of his, Skip McCoy. And just as a whole, it's just a very easy watch. Um, honestly, I'm not going to go into, I'm not big on like mise-en-scene. <laughs> 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 like the lighting, as uh, RJ kind of probably just winced with that. Um, so I, I just lo- I love, the movie. It, it's my, I, I'd say top 10 easily, uh, favorite film noir of all time. And a lot of it just has to do with just the characters, the scene, like so many great scenes. Like in a, in a movie, um, a lot of it, what builds a movie in my memory is just like, how many, how many scenes stick with you afterwards? Like the opening scene that we've touched on already with the pickpocket, the pickpocketing, uh, just the interrogations at the, at the police at, at the investigation room there with the yeah. with, when they're interrogating Mo. Um and you know, she's selling the ties. You know, she's concealing the information and then like, oh I got it. like until she can get more money offered with the with Tiger. The I love the name Tiger for the <sighs> <laughs> for the police officer. I don't know if that's his actual name or just the nickname.
0: Captain Dan Tiger.
1: Oh, is that his actual name? I thought it was probably just named there for the joke where Skip McCoy says, like, what you feeding the tiger there. <laughs> so I wonder if they literally just wrote it in there just to be able to have that joke in there. Um, but no, I, I love the movie. Um, it's mm-hmm. been my, my favorite Criterion um, pretty much since I watched it. And I, I've had the DVD for a while, and then I've upgraded. To, they haven't released this on Blu-ray, right? For no, criterion? I
0: think it's, it's got to be due, though, because I did see that there is a new artwork on it uh on the Criterion site, so maybe that's like uh, suggests that something's coming along.
1: <laughs> yeah, because it's not on the Criterion Channel either, though. Right? No,
0: it's not. Yeah, well, it's on YouTube. Uh So I'm not sure if it is like one of those movies that's like slipped into the public domain or something like it's that. Weird,
1: cause, yeah, cause I own the mm. uh, the way I watch it. I own the uh, Masters of Cinema for, uh, Blu-ray from the Eureka. Oh, okay. So I own that, but I've been kind of waiting to see. Well, I probably don't even have to double dip if if Criterion releases it, but just give me an excuse to buy it again and watch it again, probably.
0: Yeah, if if you look up on the Criterion site, they do have like a new cover. Uh, for oh, pick okay. on South street, which usually is a good sign that inevitably. I don't know if it's a great cover or anything like that, but uh, it looks very Photoshoppy. But uh, yeah, I mean that's usually a good sign that they do. They will probably revisit it. They're doing they're re-releasing everything on Blu-ray. And it seems like they put the DVD out once and they and it's still in print, so that's encouraging.
2: It's totally. <laughs>
1: what are your thoughts there, RJ? Uh,
2: can you tell me about the lighting a little bit? <laughs> I, I i never i never winced uh, i love lighting man some of my uh, favorite parts of movies are the lighting so uh in a completely genuine way was there actually something you wanted to say about like specific or you just think it's got good lighting
1: for me yeah yeah no, it, it does good it uses the lighting a lot like pretty much as far as like other film noir movies and go, it's one of my favorite looking film noir movies. It doesn't, mm-hmm. I, I will not say like, it, as far as like, you know, the big key other, those like the biggie has like the little shade, the use of the,
2: the lighting for the shades. It doesn't have any yeah. of
1: those kind of scenes here. But right. for the, mm-hmm. uh, what I like the most about the movie is it doesn't really have to do with the lighting or anything.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's like, uh, it's incredibly well shot for certain scenes too. And it's like, I think the lighting's a big part of that. Also, like some of my favorite shots were of a uh, skip's boathouse, so mm-hmm. there's the the sky like the sky shot where it just kind of shows like a dude kind of coming up in a boat and you see the his little house and then there's a few shots later where he's coming back to his house and it's uh, it's nighttime but you can see everything about it and uh, I sent Jarrett some screen caps of those and I was just. i I love that stuff i was like man that looks so good um first time watch for me uh it's been built up not just because of you but explicitly because of you sam uh Mm -hmm. this has been built up for me so uh i was i went in with good expectations and uh i was i'm happy to report that uh i i also thought it was a very good show um i think the thing with this too is like uh So you brought up like Shock Corridor and the other Samuel Fuller movies. I think when you look at his other movies and then also specifically like film noir stuff from either that era or give or take a decade, like 10 years before, 10 years later, some of the movies that kind of get clumped up in the same genre. uh, I think seeing a a few more of those gives you definitely a better, uh, I don't want to say like appreciation, but like a perspective uh, about these movies in general. And I think that actually helped quite a bit for me watching this movie because I can see little, little things that I think maybe either get used in other movies or kind of influenced. Like Jarrett said, fine artisan film craft, but uh, the Samuel Fuller stuff uh, definitely like, so naked kiss and um, shock corridor. I remember it's it's so long ago now but uh, I remember Naked Kiss I think I wanted to like more I was like I like everything about it I just didn't like it that much and then Shot Corridor I had like I think I had issues like on the psychology perspective of it because I was like a hot young like like super stud I was like I got like eight degrees in psychology (laughs) I'm so hot not even that I was just like I think they kind of downplayed uh I think they don't get didn't give people enough credit. I was like the fragility of like the human psyche or something. In in terms of comparing Samuel Fuller, I think this thing's like a big step up from those, uh, which is cool. And then in terms of film noir stuff in general, um, I think it's definitely better than, uh, say, some of the Hitchcock films we've watched so far. Uh, like in those ones to uh, say like 39 Steps. Lady Vanishes, things like that. Uh, they're good shows, but uh, I think this one does it a little bit better than those ones. So they all kind of come together, right, Jer? Did I say something wrong? Well, I mean, I, I, I like, like,
0: well, those aren't really film noirs, RJ. Are they? Are I they mean, not? I, I mean, they're Spillers? old. They're they're old. They're old.
2: Um. How would you describe Thirty Nine Steps and Lady Vanishes? Come, uh, spy. Spy thrillers, spy movies.
0: Yeah, there is like there is definitely spy elements movie
2: and like film noir are like that's sure. a thin line. It,
0: it, it, there is it is splitting hairs. Um, yeah, but yeah, traditionally, like if you were talking like film noir, there's certain like elements to it. Um, yeah, even like because there's like not a lot of like British film noirs, but there's like this weird flip because sure. what happens is like because in the 30s they're starting to ramp up, but in the 40s you have this thing called World War II that happens that kind of combines. uh like the spy thriller with those the film noir that's going on in America at that very moment with like double indemnity and stuff mm-hmm. like that like there's like a total like confluence and so that you that like uh the black and white uh and like that sharp cinematography and the lighting and stuff like that it all conf- like there is a there is a a crossover but uh sure. i would say that yeah, those because those movies are like that's '30s and this is '53. And actually, the, the, I didn't even remember this till I was just looking. Uh, like that naked kiss and shot quarter, they're like ten years later than this. They're the, They're the early '60s. Yeah,
1: oh. in my in my mind, I always thought that those were like before. Like I, yeah. I always thought those two were way earlier than yeah. pick up on South Street. Or I even thought that was earlier Fuller, but it is way later. And mm-hmm. I remember you said you you didn't like either one of those too much, right? For naked kiss or shot quarter.
2: Yeah, I think they're fine.
1: Yeah, I actually felt the same way about Naked Kiss the first time I watched it, but this mm-hmm. most recent watch, I, I'd recommend maybe going back to it like knowing what mm-hmm. what it what it's about, you might like it a little bit more, but yeah, Naked Kiss was a lot better than this recent rewatch I gave it.
2: I thought about rewatching them, but then also I thought about the Curse that is the Criterion Creeps podcast and watching not team by Criterion movies once a week. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them. No. But uh, I, anyway. I'll, I'll, yeah, I, I, I I think
0: I love the uh, Daniel Klaus artwork on those uh Blu-rays more than anything about the movies. Oh, yeah. My, that's those my, my favorite. Yeah, those covers are so oh, yeah. great. I, yeah. But anyway, and I, I, I do like Shock Corridor and then like Naked Kiss, I also like, I think I liked the first time I watched it, I liked it a lot more than rewatching it. I don't know if it was because it was also in the context of the Criterion creep um, and like doing it in that way and framing in those types of movies. I'm like, okay, it's definitely not that type of thing, but. Yeah, I would. I mean, I'll. I own them. I'll rewatch them at some point for sure because uh, they're they're good. Like they're not. Yeah, like I said, this uh, Pick Up on Cell Street, I think, is uh, Sam Fuller's best movie that I've seen. Uh, and it's been a while since since I've seen White Dog, which I also really like, which is actually a surprisingly great movie for like sometimes uh, old directors. The late, the longer they go, the worse their movies get. Uh, White Dog, for a for a movie that's like that late in his career, is actually still a pretty uh, effective
1: movie. <laughs> And what's ridiculous with White Dog is how it was like perceived and even picketed or whatever as a racist movie. Which is I was crazy. like, have they not seen Samuel Fuller? Any of his, like, he's one of the most progressive, like, directors, other than yeah. like, treatment towards women at times in movies. But as far as, like, other races, anything like that, he was ahead of the game. And the movie itself, I don't know how you can, unless somebody just heard, like, a basic plot, oh, there's a racist dog. <laughs> and then just jump to, like, oh, he's this is a racist film. Uh, that is what I need to watch again. Though. I remember liking it a lot, but I probably yeah. have not seen that in like over 10 years, maybe even longer.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. probably like people get their information from synopses on Letterboxd, like busting where it's like <laughs> about like we, we talk about it on this show all the time where it's like, it's either describing a specific scene or it's like just not even, not even close to what the movie's about. And it's like, that's not accurate at all. So maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Go ahead, RJ. Okay, I, I don't have much left to say. I, the one last thing I was going to say about "Shock Corridor" "Naked Kiss," we watched that during a creeptober, and mm. it was a doubleheader. So, what one big thing about that is just to put it into context, we might have different opinions if it wasn't that case. <laughs> last thing I'll say: uh, this thing does have like some pretty good gumshoe old. Old like detective talk stuff, things like these are all this one's mixed up a little bit, but real quotes. He's the big thumb, gotta get quick action to save this kitty for big business. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but it sounds cool. Uh, and then the one that you brought up earlier, this is the direct quote somebody shot her head off.
1: <laughs> there we go.
2: And it's like, he's like, What happened to Mo? And then it goes, Somebody shot her head off, and you go. Uh, OK, uh, I thought it was funny, but uh, no, yeah, good show. Uh, I liked it. It's got some nice little things in there. The one scene when he pickpockets the gun off of Joey at, in the subway. That's the scene I was talking about earlier. He's opening the paper and it's literally touching Joey's face. And like if that was me, I don't know, guys, I would have been like, "Bruh, what are you doing? You got to get away from me like you're touching my face man so uh, i know the sub the subway carts were a little compact and you know had a lot of people in there but uh anyways uh it's good stuff real good how, stuff i also liked I, his beer cooler thing in the water so yes how'd you like the term cannon cannon well yeah. he's got like a cannon in there No, nobody uh
1: i guess that's the term for a pickpocket which I, I, I haven't cannon? really seen it. I haven't really seen it. that's what, who's, like, who's the cannon. That, that's what they kept like when they're interrogating oh, Mo. You yeah. say fingering the cannon. So I guess that's like the slang for pickpocket, or at least like uh, when they're saying, "Oh, we need to finger the cannon," or "Who was the cannon?" Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I, I guess when they were interrogating Mo, that's the term that they kept using, which I haven't, I haven't really heard that on any other movie. Yeah,
0: I don't even know if I noticed that, really. It just made sense in the context of what they were talking about, and I was just like, yeah, yeah yes, I understand.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think I noticed it the first time I watched it, but, like, every single time I watched it, I was like, oh, okay, so that's the term for a pickpocket, I guess, like, in the in those days at least.
2: I just assumed, because, like, whenever I talked to Jared, he was always like, I got this cannon in my pants, and I'm always like, all right, man, I don't know what that means. I always assumed it was a gun, but I think it could be something else, <laughs> now that I think about it. Indeed. So, do you think it was realistic for Skip to ask for twenty
0: five thousand dollars?
1: He jumped pretty high, right? Because like, versus, <laughs> yeah. like when
0: I heard five hundred, I am like, "Fuck, that's pretty good." And he's like, "Hey, and uh, you get to keep whatever uh, you are able to like." Cut, uh, get him down to if you know if she, it's like great that's good money for her but then yeah. skip comes back you're going to have to pay me 25,000 <laughs> yeah,
3: especially and...
1: considering he doesn't even know exactly what it is he has exactly like he doesn't know mm-hmm. he doesn't he, he knows that they want it he's not really sure how valuable to them it even is i guess he just assumes he's dealing with like a pretty big syndicate or something that they might have the money to do it but he assumes for sure
0: yeah but I... I think this movie is like has such like great economy. Like it only has like what ten actors in it, are you all told? Mm-hmm. And, and how uh, many locations Yeah, that's what I mean. Like there's only like three real locations that they like specifically kind of go back and forth to. And then there's like like there's Moe's apartment, there's the boathouse. But and like even like the layout of the boathouse is like there's a pier in front of it. And then there's the actual, like, little, like, boathouse shack. But then there's, like, an outside part of it. And, like, you, you have a totally clear understanding of where everyone is in relationship to one another. Which is, like, something, like, I don't know. I appreciate so much nowadays. Um, mm. Like, for some days, like, movies, like, have no sense of place. And this movie is, like, okay, we have no location. We have, like, yeah, we have a handful of locations. We only have, like, ten actors. But let's make it feel like a whole world exists outside of the frame. And it totally feels that way. Um and the other thing that I found really interesting watching it this time too is that uh Skip and Joey they never meet each other till the very end. Like they they've never they're, they're always like kind of mm. circling around one another uh, and then finally cuz it's cuz Joey's a, like doesn't want to get his hands dirty because of the mm-hmm. the risks involved and then when we have the uh his fellow comrades uh, who are like very serious? And she's like, "Yeah." Now the cops are saying that it's a communist plot, and then they're like very dour, and they're like, "Oh, because it is," <laughs> like without saying so. I see the headquarters communist in chair is na- an actor named Parley Bear. Parley huh? Bear. Parley Bear. Uh, he played uh, Chester in the original or in the radio version of Gunsmoke. <laughs> There you go. Okay. So yeah, that's the type of that's the type of stuff that peppers this movie is uh, this type of uh, detail and act, character actors and people you've never heard of or seen like ever again. Um, yeah. But yeah, like just like yeah, it's so quickly paced. Um, and There's not much of a like the story is very like uh, straightforward. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. I need that we need that microfilm back, and now we have to negotiate. And it, it, there's a lot of back and forth, but it doesn't feel repetitive. Um, it feels like every scene kind of builds on the last and why they have to like find that information uh there's an investigation it makes sense uh all the character relationships work uh and like you said um Sam with like Mo like the Thelma Ritter character she's like so well drawn and like usually a character like that is just a toss off like she has hopes and Mm. dreams goals (laughs) uh and it's like yeah why why don't uh Why don't we see that more? And so, like, I think this is also, like, uh, I think even in the period, a lot of uh, films didn't have this sort of detail to them, uh, or at least didn't have the execution quite right. And uh, I think this is a great example of uh, film noir and one of the better examples, I think, of the genre.
1: Yeah. And they get, yeah, like you said, they get a lot of mileage out of, like, basically three locations, like 90% takes, like, they revisit the police station, like, three or four times, revisit uh, uh, Skip's, like, house there, like, three or four times. Like, one of the few scenes that they stray away from out of there uh, was a scene, like, where he goes to, like, catch the the body, like, in the coffin, like, to go to the boat yep. to go make sure he pulls it back, which I thought was actually a very good, like, touching scene that they actually detoured to go to that. It didn't seem, like, it, it almost seems out of place a little bit, but it, I think it fits it pretty well.
0: Right. Mm. Yeah, it gives the Mo arc a little bit more while also adding to the Skip story. Because, like, up to that point, like, Skip's this, like three-time loser who's just got out of jail. He's a thief who happens to have stolen like, you know, a hot ticket and he's like, Hey, I'm going to cash in. And, uh, but then that's it. Like, it's kind of his thing. And like, he's always like very antagonistic to every single person who asks him for anything, which is probably a common, uh, criminal trait of, uh, just, you know, being, uh, you know, combative on all things. But then eventually he's like, well, you know, Mo did all right. And it's like, well, she didn't deserve to get her head blown off. And like, get dumped on this island she was a person and uh he could, he could make a difference and he does that so it's it's redemption or like a, kind of a b- bit more of like hey he's not all bad
1: yeah I <laughs> wonder if they said because um Technically, uh, Skip isn't like the—he's not a great guy. Usually, in any of these movies, in the full noir, he would be either dead by the end of it in jail. Which in this one, he's actually yeah, free.
0: That's actually really—I don't good know point. if that was
1: enough redemption for the censors to be like, okay, that they're going to allow that. As far as like making me make him be more sympathetic to help out Mo. It's because um,
0: communism is worse than anything. Yeah.
1: Or I wonder if they felt that because at the end, obviously, you know, they do the the joke, the wanna bet, like you're gonna be in here quicker than anything, and they probably figured, okay, everyone knows he's what? Give it another two weeks, he'll probably be back in jail either way. Yeah. So you probably just feel like, okay, it's a happy ending per se, but he's not. They're not gonna live happily ever after. He's gonna be back in jail. He's gonna get in trouble again. Mm-hmm. So they probably took that as, okay, it's not necessarily a happy ending, especially if you know, given their relationship which has been kind of physical here and there uh, as far as, you know,
2: not uh, sexually physical. (laughs) Uh,
1: Whoa.
2: (laughs) Hey, did anyone think that uh, that lady was pretty quick to fall in love with Skip?
3: They always are
2: at the bar and Mo's like, she's in love with you. The dame loves you. Yeah. And then Skip, Skip himself is kind of like, huh? He's like, I just met that lady like an hour ago he caressed he caressed his cheek her cheek after punching her <laughs> you remember? after punching her that's the big key detail i guess that's how me and Jarrett met it's, it's <laughs> kind of like a joker harley quinn thing rj oh it's about the romance you don't see toxic relationships <laughs> i see i see <laughs>
0: Mm. Um, um one th- I just watched a few weeks ago uh the, the documentary at the Atomic the Atomic Cafe from 1982 uh which mm. is like uh just like a compilation of uh footage from the 50s uh around like the Cold War and mm. it's like so in line with this like it's so perfect like uh, these movies really don't exaggerate the ridiculousness of uh the rhetoric of America in the the, the move toward, like, evangelical Christendom, and, uh, like, gotta keep freedoms, and we gotta crush, uh, communism, no matter what we do, and so this movie, just, like, from, uh, the plot of it is just, like, the simplicity of it, and it works fine for me, like, it's, it's a total piece of pulp, right? But, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely reminded me of that that the nineteen fifties. And oh yeah, another thing, one of those great little details that I don't know I, I thought would be an RJ pickup, but there's a bit where like they're follow like a bunch of the cops they're uh f- they're doing the follow, and they're all like mm-hmm. they all have these fedoras on top of their head and they're like peeking over like building ledges, <laughs> and you just see these like big fedoras on top of their heads, and I'm like that would be like my first pick. I guess like everyone wore fedoras. at at this period of Mm -hmm. time at least in movies but uh, I do wonder like if you're on top of a building that's just like an added little addition to make you're being
2: spotty that like hey somebody's watching me or someone's up there looking down well I think Jared the thing is it's called style and if you looked it up sometime you would understand that uh, it's more important than actually giving yourself up oh folks if you only knew the shirt
0: that RJ was wearing right now
2: Sam, what do you think of this shirt? It could like, use a tie.
1: You could probably uh, get a tie from Mo there.
2: I could get a tie from Mo. I don't know what you'd recommend. Like a, like, a, like a pinstripe, a stripe, polka dot. I got a bucket hat outside. I could put that on <laughs> if that works. Yeah.
0: Do you have a cigarette holder too? Your uh, yellow tinted uh, sunglasses?
2: I have everything but the cigarette holder because I, I take that shit straight, baby. And those are bananas, right? <laughs> uh, plantains is what I like to say. But uh I got in trouble for that one time and someone was like they didn't like that joke and they're like, uh uh-uh, uh. Uh uh and I was like I, I was like, All right. Did I ever tell that story on there? I don't, know.
0: I don't know. Hey, you guys wanna hear about who hates this movie? Sure. First up, we have Joyce Chu, one okay. star. <laughs> I just love it when a woman falls in love with the man that beats her repeatedly. Let's celebrate it.
2: Well, I mean, that does happen, though, in real life, right? Right? Do, do you feel the film celebrates that, though? Mm, I mean, they don't, like, try to steer well, you away from it. I mean, but...
0: he punches her out by accident. But then later on, I think there is a smack in too. Yeah. Uh,
2: you know... Joyce Chu gave five stars to Joker. Okay. Blade Runner 2049. Five stars. Five stars. Uh, Half-star films include 50 Shades Free, 50 Shades Darker, 50 Shades of Grey, Dragon Ball Evolution, The Great Wall with Matt Damon, and Godzilla Final Wars. Huh. I mean, that's not a good movie, but like... <laughs> Is that it? I don't
0: know. Okay. Um, I don't know. Andy Gallows, two stars. Mm. Maybe it's a classic because at the time it was it was made, it flirted so much with contemporary politics. J. Edgar Hoover himself persuaded them not to characterize the main investigators as FBI by name. I found it kind of dull and confusing. I do find it interesting as an archetypical noir in that every character is simply in it for themselves for their own gain looking out for number one but i thought the story itself lie in the problematic valley between plausible and improbable mm. that made it at the same time too forced and mundane
2: you know it's a little too forced <laughs> this guy's ratings you did it this, that's a part that's where you guys laugh. Real big indeed. (laughs) Uh, One-star films include Steel Magnolias, uh, Driving Miss Daisy. Also one-star, Fanny and Alexander, Failsafe, The Taking of Pelham 123 from 1974, Jarrett. That taking of Pelham. Five-star films are things like The Warriors, uh, Into the Woods, I don't know what that is, Broadcast News, When Harry Met Sally, Harold, and Maude Roma. Whatever. Person that actually doesn't have a lot of rated films. This might be a new account.
0: Okay. Oh, and the one I I missed here is a a one-and-a-half star from Benji. Ravioli, ravioli, give me the formuloli.
1: SpongeBob reference?
0: (laughs) Is it always out?
1: I think it is. I mean, that sounds uh, possible. I I think I remember Mr.
2: Krabs saying that Mm. or something. That makes sense. This person also gave Blade Runner 2049 five stars. Uh, Benji's avatar is a picture of a llama wearing a hat, uh, and it says they are from Western Canada, Jarrett. Uh-oh. So uh, favorite films are Mishima, Lahane, Criterion movies, uh, The Favorite and City of God. So those are bad movies. Not any of them. Five stars to Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Just because I know that'll make Frank sad. <laughs> half star films. Uh, the Love Guru Junior with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Come on. And what else we got in here? Birth of a Nation. Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Not a half star. Uh, Joe Dirt, come on, that's a good show. Uh, what else we got in here, Jarrett? Master of Disguise, your favorite film, Holes, a good movie. Uh, the Room, Chicken Little. I don't know. Like Their half-star ratings are kind of all over the place. He also
1: five-starred uh, Blade Runner 2049, which I know is a favorite of yours. Yep.
2: Yeah, and like that's what one of those other guys like, too. It's like... I don't know. You see these trends that pop up all the time, Sam? It's like, I don't do it intentionally. It's just like, you see, they all like the same stuff. They all love Blade Runner. They all love Portrait of a Woman in Fire. Everybody loves Call Me By Your Name. I don't know. I don't get it.
0: You see what I have to work with here? (laughs)
2: Well, any
0: last thoughts here on Pickup?
2: Uh, What do you think, Sam? Sam? Any lingering ideas? Uh, no,
1: I think we pretty much covered everything. Um, it's yeah, like I said, kind of sum it up. It's my favorite film noir. Um, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And it's one I probably will revisit I, I, pretty much yearly, I'd say. Nice. Uh, cause it's, I watched yeah. it well five times in the last eight years, so a little bit less than yearly, but which mm-hmm. that's a lot for me.
2: My last question would be is if you were a pickpocket in like 1950, what would your name be? Instead of Skip McCoy. I don't know. Yeah, Skip is pretty good. I don't know if I could beat that. I'd be Pepperoni Slim. (laughs) What would your style
1: be? Would you do it from the front, back, overhand,
2: underhand? You got to buy me dinner first, friend, (laughs) before I can let you in on that information.
0: And since no one asked, Fat (laughs) Stunken.
2: I think Fat Slim would be good too. I could be pepperoni slim and you could be Fat Slim. We're brothers? Yeah. Or is is that actually is that from something Fat Slim or am I just making that up? Like Fat Boy Slim? Oh, uh, there you go. <laughs> I guess. Okay, so if you're Fat Slim, I'm pepperoni slim. Sam, you could maybe be the starting line of the 1962 Dodgers. <laughs> All of them. All of them. All of them.
0: Yeah.
3: I'll accept that.
2: Yeah.
0: After the break, RJ gets his face shot off.
2: Got your head shot off, man.
0: Stop pickpocketing! I um,
2: I don't steal. I'm a good guy.
0: Not even. That's... Would you? But if you didn't steal that, why would you download those movies? Excuse me. I bow, have bow, made bow, a bow, expl-
2: Is that Seinfeld noise? That's 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 uh,
0: that that's the uh, the music that accompanies you. Would and steal a car? Would oh, you? the
2: anti-theft. <laughs> yeah. we're sure at the beginning? yeah i i downloaded season two of cheers but i don't think anyone's gonna like get mad at me for it i don't i i feel like no one's really after that anymore right
0: you can email us at 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 gmail.com mm. and uh tell us about your illegal downloads we're not the police we've got mm-hmm. a facebook page we're on instagram we're on letterboxd i'm Jerk duncan he's barnloaf and sam you're sam sanchez correct
1: that's correct I'm not on any of those <laughs> other than that i just letterboxed Sam you're, Sanchez
2: that is, that is it you're pure what's your switch friend code <laughs>
1: I'll provide my sons to you later
0: okay we'll get it later yeah, yeah. please not on the air please yeah don't uh, do that on here we've got a YouTube and if you thought about joining us you could do so via Patreon or just give us money <gasps> we're on SoundCloud yeah. Stitcher iTunes Google Play Tumblr Uber Eats Uber Eats. Skip the dishes. Next week, it's just RJ and me again for Spine 225 uh-huh. from the director of The Horse's Whisper, The Horse's Mouth, Ronald Neem, uh. Tunes of Glory, starring Alec Guinness from 1960. I didn't know that, Jared.
2: I know you didn't. I don't didn't. look into this shit. I know you didn't.
1: Sounds like All a
2: blast. Sounds like a did blast you, for you guys. Did you watch Horse's Mouth? I did Sam? not. I still have not seen that. You're, it's not good.
0: You're winning. You're winning,
2: right? I, I wouldn't waste the time. That's like oh. two hours and like eight minutes or something like that. Oh, Ronald
1: Neen did a hot, Hopscotch too, though, right? Yes,
2: he did. Yeah. And, which is really good. Yeah. And yeah. uh, was it Poseidon Adventure? Was that him? Uh, yeah, that was him. Yeah. He's a good guy, but uh, Horse's, he, anything he does without Guinness oh. is maybe bad. Well, we're going to find out one
0: way or another. And Sam will be listening to us In our pain and agony That all being said Thank you Sam once again for joining us It's been a blast And uh, good night all Good night Um Woo (laughs) And
3: scene